0: Take a look on back a few decades past to a simpler time today.
1: right everybody welcome back to 80s high the podcast that rolls up seemingly like a normal podcast then transforms into the most radical 80s pop culture podcast bringing you the best movies games tv toys and more we're your hosts i'm optimus ben
0: and i'm (laughs) Decepticrus. this is
1: 80s high welcome back everybody you fool i will take over this podcast once and for all that was really good that was awesome i like that you
0: always say that when i do a half-baked impression look i, I, I can't do
1: them at all man so i have, i'm impressed always. <laughs> Well, hello, everybody. It's great to be with you Uh, for a moment there. Chris and I thought the last episode you heard from us was going to be the last because I think we just woke up an eldritch god off the coast of Washington by saying we were going to do this topic. Either
0: that or a combiner transformer just crash landed near (laughs) Seattle. My goodness, we
1: had a little quake. We, and I'm not going to lie, it was small, but it was the biggest earthquake I think I've ever been in in my life that I've actually felt and been a part of. We looked it up no more than half an hour ago. Uh, there was a 4.5 magnitude earthquake off the northeast coast of the Olympic Peninsula that we both felt minutes before we started recording.
0: Yeah, I'm sitting here in my little recording tent. You know, we we, we throw blankets up. We got this little thing and I'm like, I'm in my fort and yes. I did not feel secure and said, "For once everything started <laughs> to shake, rattle, and roll. I was like, this is not where I want to be right now. <laughs>
1: this pillow construction is shoddy. I, right. I would to speak to the engineer. Yeah, that was wild, man. Oof. That was exciting. Yeah. Holy crap. But we're okay. Everything's still standing. Everything just shook around for a second. But uh, as
0: if our topic today wasn't exciting enough, there right, had to be a little extra spice right. for our evening. This is like 4D, man. I mean, Ben, everything else is going to pale in comparison, but do you have any other interesting things right. to share right. in homeroom? Right. Any B topics? Because clearly the A topic we just experienced, but
1: yeah, <laughs> anything else going on? I have two things. I'm just really excited. Mm. We don't really do this in homeroom ever, but today that we're recording on October 8th is Cindy Lopper's 70th birthday. Cindy! Happy Milestone, Cindy. For any of you younger Gen Zs or people who aren't into the music scene so much, Cindy Lauper is probably most famous for Time After Time, Girls Just Want to Have Fun in True Colors from the 80s. She was mm-hmm. sort of an 80s pop music goddess. But happy uh, 70th trip around the sun, Cindy. Thanks for all your awesome music from the 80s and beyond.
0: Absolutely. I hope you have a lot of fun out there with all your girls. With with
1: all you girls. Uh, The only other thing, I've also never done this in Homeroom, and I just thought it was interesting just bringing us back into the nostalgia of the 80s. I was perusing the interwebs, Chris. I don't know if you've ever gone down the tubes... Of, of the internets, if you've web crawled before. Never. I've never had the kids any reason
0: about. to ever go on some sort of like rabbit hole chase of information <laughs> on the internet. I don't know what you're talking about. Explain it to me. Like I just crash landed to Earth oh, like great. a transformer. Fantastic. This would be so
1: easy. Um, but I was perusing the 80s subreddit. And there was a question someone posed and that was like not so specific. Usually it's very targeted topics on subreddits. Sure. But somebody posed this general question that had two and a half thousand comments, which I've just never seen that much activity on the 80s subreddit. So I wanted to bring it here to 80s high because I thought it was very relevant. Okay. The question that somebody posed was, question for people who actually experienced the 1980s. What is something you miss from that decade? Hmm. And so I want to read the top three most upvoted responses to the questions. Oh, I I love this. Great. All right. So the number one was three words, Saturday morning cartoons. Okay. Relevant for today. (laughs) Super relevant for today, which is why I wanted to bring it. Absolutely. And I feel like we've done a good job throughout our history of this podcast honoring that top memory from the 80s. Sure, yeah. We've hit some of those. What else? Second of three, MTV. Real music videos, each more creative and cool than the last. You were getting the good 80s music and videos set to the same music, usually a win-win, before it all became reality TV shows. I mean, I think we've covered the best music video of the 80s, possibly of all time. Thriller! Oh, I thought you were going to say Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer.
0: Sledgehammer was amazing, (laughs) but I mean, Thriller! And also Herbie Hancock's
1: Rocket, also a...
0: a nightmare for this October that we're recording, but uh, yeah, Thriller. Come on, man. That's the a best. Thousand I'm percent. sorry.
1: There's no better
0: music video. There, there may never a- be.
1: There may never be. It's great. Maybe the one that I created for Transformers, which we'll talk about in contemporary culture, it could compete. Uh. <laughs> um, but the last one, and gang, listeners out there, strap in, sit down, don't drive your car because you're about to get hit with a wave of pop culture. Mm. The question- What is something you missed from that decade if you actually lived through the 80s? Here's the third most upvoted response. The excitement of getting off the bus, throwing down your book bag, grabbing your dirt bike, then going to hang out with your friends. This could include, but not be limited to, exploring the woods behind the first ridge, reading each other's newest comic books, playing a TRS-80 Commodore 64 Atari 2600, Arguing about Star Wars theories, playing RPGs, not just D&D, building forts, or taking apart electronics to see how they worked. Also, I miss going to the mall to meet up with my cousin for an entire Saturday and playing in the arcade, hanging out in the bookstores, or just eating in the food court. I miss taking life for granted and having friends who didn't take themselves seriously.
0: Okay, that was like 19 things. It wasn't 19 person, things. That person did not say the one thing. They said <laughs> the entire <laughs> encapsulation of an 80s childhood in three Rape? sentences.
1: Bam! Though. Wow. So good. So oh, good. Man. You know what? I'll, I'll allow
0: it. I'll allow it. As I am <laughs> some arbiter of, uh, I'm the moderator <laughs> of that subreddit. I'm going to go in there and be like, "This post yeah. has
1: been this deleted." Donkeyless speaking of getting off the bus since we all just got off the bus and arrived here at 80s high we should probably find out what the day has in store for us here
0: i mean those morning announcements are going to lead the way lead the charge to what we can expect during and after school today let's take a listen
2: attention 80s high i'm gerald here to share today's homeroom announcements it's senior year you've got senioritis You're not paying attention anymore. You're just secretly looking at your phone under your desk every 12 seconds. So, uh, why don't you make it better by following 80s High Podcast on Instagram? Today's lunch menu is gonna be loaf. Meat loaf, pizza loaf, salad encased in gelatin, dessert loaf. And while you eat your loaf, if you're loving 80s High, consider supporting the show by dropping a rad review or rating on Apple. Telling a classmate to tune in. Or even shipping in a few dollars at kofi.com. That's K-O-F-I. You know, after school today, we're going to put Mr. Garvey's car in the middle of the quad. Biff and the guys are going to put fish in the unused lockers and put locks on them. Uh, we stole the locks from the wood shop. Oh man, I wasn't supposed to say that last part out loud. Uh, I'm just going to say it. The fighting mogwais lost their last football game to the ghoulies. Who loses to those guys? Bite me. Anyway... They get another crack this week against the Chuds, so uh, have a great day. Go Mogwise. I
0: look forward to after school where we all do our transforming sound impersonations and it's like an elimination contest and see who who has the best sound effect. And hopefully, Michael Winslow doesn't show up, then we're all screwed. If uh, if Mikey (laughs) Winslow shows up, we're done for. Hands down.
1: Well, to get into the background behind today's topic, we are literally going to have to go back four point five million years. I think is what the true canon says for this property.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about that. That blew my mind.
1: Yeah. Uh, so let's go in the way, 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 way back machine to history class and find out the origin of today's topic. Let's do it. Well, gang, fortunately, in our transition between homeroom and history, we did not get an aftershock from our earthquake. We are comfortably sitting still, and we are stoked to get into today's topic, which, again, biting off more than I can physically chew, we have chosen the epic, monumental property from the 80s, Transformers. We've been knocking out some massive pillars of pop culture
0: throughout the ages, right? Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers. These are just sprawling properties. So there was a lot of homework. I I went home with like six books from school. My book bag was like killing me when I got off the bus, (laughs) Uh, but I did throw it down and grab my dirt bike. I was like, "Ah, I'll do homework later. So
1: just like when we chose He-Man, I want to put a boilerplate up at the top of history class here. I'm going to show a bit of my poker hand from chemistry and tell you right now, I didn't experience Transformers in the 80s. It just missed me. And it's a massive, massive property. So there's, this is going to be a bumpy road where Optimus might blow a tire, bust an axle as he hits, you know, the occasional pothole on this highway. But as Chris and I always say, we are not experts. We are doing our best to research as much as we can and provide you some education and more or less entertainment along the way. I'm going to love some corrections. 80s high podcast at gmail.com shoot us a message message us on instagram let us know like what part of this passionate corner of this giant ip we missed that you wished we had talked about but i we're just not gonna be able to tackle it all it's giant and there's
0: a lot that i don't know yeah so we're gonna just shorthand some stuff you know we're trying to find the the most enjoyable juicy bits right there's there's so much we could get into we may not be able to cover what you love the most you know if you love the comic books I'm afraid, you know, let's just let that cat out of the bag. You're not, uh, you're probably not going to be super thrilled. We don't have a lot to cover there because we're going to focus on the main stuff, which is the the cartoon and the toys
1: and, you know, some of the movies, right? Yeah. Although there are some dope YouTube summaries of the history of the Transformers comic books out there. So if you just yeah. search like Transformers Comics YouTube, you'll be very happy. There's your nostalgia wave. Tell them we sent you. Ben and Chris sent you. We've said the word a million times, Ben. What is Transformers? The best way we can put it is Transformers is a media franchise. It is not just one thing. It is a massive franchise largely Mm -hmm. produced by American toy company Hasbro.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Even the sentence I've already said is not fully accurate, and we're going to get into it. Right. But generally, the world of Transformers follows two warring factions of robots, the Autobots, who are generally the good guys, against the generally bad guy Decepticons. Mm -hmm. And these robots originated elsewhere from Earth have found their way to Earth, and these robots, very famously, can transform into other things, such as animals, insects, vehicles, or everyday items like Walkmans (laughs) from the 80s. A boombox. It's a boombox. Right. And if you can sell a thing, then that thing has at some point been in the Transformers franchise. There's there's toys, (laughs) cartoons, movies, lunchboxes, clothing, video games... You name it, you got it. Right. So like I said, out of the gate, I already lied and I said Hasbro invented all this. And that's not true. Let's get back to the OG, OG, OG. And that is Takara Toys. Takara Tomy, or Tomy Company or Takara Toys was founded in Tokyo in 1924 by Akira Tomiyama. And this company is a huge freaking deal in Japan. You probably have never heard of Takara or Tomy, dear listener, but this thing was a megalith in Japan. They're not just behind what eventually became the Transformers, but they were behind a lot of other big 80s and 90s toys that you are familiar with. They produced the Armatron. They produced Furbies. For those younger kids today, Beyblade, which was like a super big deal, like five or six years ago for a bunch of kids. Hmm. Uh, Jenga. <laughs> Crossbows and Catapults, which was a really fun board game. And hilariously, and this goes out to my uh, in-laws, Roomie Cube, which is like their, their favorite board game in my in-laws' house is Roomie Cube. Oh, okay. So Takata had two toy lines that will eventually become Transformers. One is Microman, and Microman was produced from 1974 to 84, and then again in like, you know, a whole nostalgia thing, 98 to 2007, but it's these little three and three quarters inch tall action figures that had vehicles and robots and playsets and accessories, but what was kind of fun about these dudes is, like, they were marketed as, like, these are the actual size of the guys. Like, they all these action figures are, like, in real life, when they fight bad guys, they're less than four inches tall. These are not oh, okay. models of big people. Gotcha. And so these toys were super articulated, which means, you know, like, this was very unique that all their a lot of their joints moved around a lot, which was not normal for toy lines of that size from the 70s, which was cool. Right. And what is important about these guys is you could, like, pull parts off of them and then hook on other parts. So they might have like a tool that snapped on their arm or like a mm. different leg could be attached to these guys, which is going to come into play here really importantly. Okay. What's interesting is there's, there starts this relationship. You're like, how does Hasbro come into this? So in 1972, Takata produced for the Microman line, this Henshen Cyborg, which they paid Hasbro licensing fee for basically the G.I. Joe body mold. Okay. But if you don't know this, the whole reason G.I. Joe got started, not just for a whole, like, I don't know, pro-America propaganda sort of thing, but it's because Hasbro was trying to compete with Barbie in the early 1960s, and they needed to come out with a base action figure with accessories, too. And so Hasbro started... GI Joe. So if you like GI Joe, if you like Transformers, you actually kind of have to thank Barbie. Hmm. Interesting. Pretty crazy, right? I didn't think Barbie was going to come into this, but there she is. She made it. All right. So you've got the Microman toy line. And in 1983, they did this new part of the Microman toy line called Micro Change. And these are like seemingly ordinary items like cassette tapes and a microscope and watches that could then change into other things to help Micro-man. Like, they became tools and weapons and vehicles and stuff. Okay. So this is, like, the baseline. That's, like, the DNA that's really neat of, like, here's an everyday thing that changes into another thing with action figures. Right. Okay, second half of this story. Takara Toys does the Diaclone toy line in 1980. And these are, let me know if this sounds familiar, transforming vehicles and robots, but in this case, they're piloted by mini little magnet-shoed figures that are, like, Kind of like the Micromen that fit in these vehicles. Okay. They also did car robots in 1982, which is like the same thing. Now we've got real cars with wheels transforming into robots.
2: hmm This
1: is the DNA. So in 1983, Hasbro executives jumped on a plane, flew way over the Pacific to the Tokyo Toy Show uh, to look for some new stuff that they could license and bring to North America. And they were like, hey, remember those cool Takara guys we did the whole like cyborg dude, G.I. Joe thing with? Let's go see what they're up to. And they saw these car robots and they saw Microman's micro change toy line. And they were like, this is it. This is what the mid 80s needs in the States. Uh, And so they licensed them both from Takara and Hasbro called them Transformers. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Boom. The birth. 1984. Bum-da-da-ba. What's crazy, and what I think it's so fun, and probably like huge Transformer fans know this, but most of the original Autobot vehicle based characters are like straight car robots and Diaclone robots. Like a slightly different color tone, but like they are the and models of the Japanese toy line from earlier in the 80s. Same yeah, you stuff.
0: Know- I didn't look through all of them, but I definitely saw a truck that was like, that's Optimus Prime. I think 100%. it's like all blue. It's like all blue instead of yes. like the more red and gray and, you know, with little blue accents in there. I was like, oh, wait, that's Optimus. It's basically they took that and repainted it. Is that pretty much what they did?
1: Yes, that's pretty much it. And even sometimes <laughs> it wasn't that far off of a repaint. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay. All right. And this goes on and on throughout the whole Transformers line. Like this original Diaclone and Microchange line, like you get models pulled straight from that to make the Dinobots and the Insecticons and Starscream and a bunch of Decepticons and Constructicons. All these guys are like already pre-baked in Tokyo years before, which is great. This is 80s high, guys. There's a lot of Transformer stuff to talk about after the 80s. But I'm, what Chris and I are going to focus on is Generation 1 or Gen 1, which is sort mm-hmm. of like a retroactive label that's been applied to the Transformers that came out in the 80s. Right. So that licensing fee that Hasbro is paying is just making it rain money in Japan. Mm. And so by 86, Takara's like, why are we even making our own micro change and Diaclone anymore? So they they stop. They shutter both those toy lines and they're like, we're in this 100% with Hasbro. Let's sell Transformers. Let's make a gazillion dollars. Oh, interesting. Uh, And it's going to work out. So the first release of the Transformer line actually had a lot of toys. I think for like when a new toy line comes out, there's not a ton, but there's 28 action figures when it first launches in 84. 18 Autobots and 10 Decepticons. 11 of the Autobots turn into cars, six into mini cars, and one into kind of a semi tractor trailer, heroically known as Optimus Prime. Yeah. For the Decepticons, three turn into planes, one's a cassette recorder, which is hilarious just to read now, but when we later talk about Soundwave, he's actually a pretty dope character. Yeah, absolutely. Five would be mini cassettes, and one that actually turned into a weapon, a gun, a full blown gun, right? Which is like such a funny choice. A child-sized handheld pistol. Right? It's great. It's great. I love it. So coming down the line on the history of the toys, just real fast, most of the Transformers were designed by Shoji Kawamori, who was the creator of the Japanese mecha anime franchise Macross, which was adapted into Robotech later in North America. If any of those make sense to you who love mecha kaiju battle stuff, that probably rings a bell. But Shoji Kawamori designs all these brilliant, like the engineering behind how these robot toys work, which is great. Yeah. Oh, I love this little nugget in our research. If you're looking at the different Transformers toys and you want to know which one in North America came from either the Diaclone or the Microman line, tiny cockpits equals Diaclone. So if the vehicle has like a little cockpit where somebody could sit, that's a Diaclone toy. Okay. But if it's an everyday object, like you said, a gun or a cassette tape, that's micro change. Okay. Uh, shout out to Dan from Toy Galaxy, who did a great video on explaining that. But like, that's a great little nugget just to pull away where they came from. Nice. So the story, this story has so much retconning and crossover universes and time travel. This is so hard to actually summarize in a meaningful way. So we're just going to talk about the original story. So Hasbro actually goes for the big guns and they hire Marvel, Marvel Comics to write the backstory. Sure do. Editor in chief Jim Shooter writes the overall story, and uh, Dennis O'Neill was assigned to come up with the characters. But actually, at the end of the day, O'Neill's work wasn't really that much appreciated besides coming up with the name Optimus Prime, who was, I forgot to mention, you mentioned the tractor trailer. Back in the Takara days, Optimus Prime, uh, when he was part of the Diaclone line, was Convoy for anybody who. Because he has
0: a cockpit. I learned something. He doesn't have a cockpit. You got it. There it is.
1: So uh, in that case, Jim Shooter says, O'Neill, hit the road with the other uh, Decepticons, and he chooses Bob Budiansky to create the characters. And Budiansky was with Marvel for like two decades. He was a writer, editor, did penciling work. Um, So he comes up with the names and the backstories for pretty much all of them. But he also did these very cool, like, tech spec biographies that get printed and packaged with a lot of the toys that, like, explain how they transform and how they work. And, like, puts sort of like an engineering science spin to the toy line, which is really fun. Nice. Yeah. So, Chris, you know, we gave a little teaser at the start of history, but what is the sort of background story that Shooter ends up writing?
0: Yeah. So, basically... It's like four and a half million years ago on Cybertron. There's this battle between the two factions. I think if I remember correctly, the Autobots are trying to like escape or do something and are intercepted by the Decepticons. And they both in their spaceships end up crash landing on Earth. But again, it's not present day Earth. It's not 1984, 85 Earth. It is four million years ago. And they all just like pass out get a little beauty sleep. And then I think these little like bots come around and like repair them. And they wake up in 19, was it 85-ish? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Which conveniently, they all look like 1985 vehicles. So it's a perfect time to wake up. It's <laughs> never a better time to wake up on earth. Like we lucked out. We look exactly like cars on the road these days. A thousand percent. Does that mean Cybertron invented the Volkswagen Beetle? I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Who's to say, but- So they basically wake up and then they realize they're lucky to be alive. And they say, let's peacefully coexist with the native inhabitants of this lovely planet. No, they don't do that. They just start shooting at each other once again. And they're like, hey, Earth got power. Let's suck all the power so that we can recharge ourselves and murder each other. (laughs) And that's
1: basically the story. That that is a perfect summary. And, And by the end of the decade... This story grows to basically go back to the origin of the universe, and this comes to like a light versus dark. You've got Unicron, the dark god, versus Primus, the light god. It's like we go back millions upon billions of years, is where the transfer. Like I don't think, I don't think Snorks ever went. Like I don't think there was even a flashback in Snorks ever. Like to the previous day. Captain Ortega and his ship. Don't forget (laughs)
0: Captain Ortega. (laughs) The best part of the Snorks. The best
1: is so big. But this story was critical, right? Like like building a world. Because like, okay, here's like the little problem. Here's the little funny problem. So in Japan with these toys, Convoy slash Optimus Prime is like, he's like a full-size semi-truck that when transformed is supposed to be piloted like a Gundam. Like it's a giant mecha. Mm -hmm. And who is Convoy's or slash Optimus Prime's arch nemesis?
0: Well, originally Megatron.
1: Yeah, it's Megatron. And Megatron at the time... It's, he's on the to- on the box of the toy in Japan. It's called Gun Robo Walther P38 Uncle, which is like he transforms into the handgun from the TV show The Man from Uncle. All right. So you've got a mecha Gundam versus a handgun. Mm-hmm. This battle is over in seconds.
0: It's an odd choice to still have him turn into a gun and not something different. But again, they they have the toy line. They're like, we're not going to create these characters. We just have to shoehorn them into our own mythology.
1: (laughs) Right. How do we do that? And it's funny you say about the mythology. So right, Marvel's at the helm here. And Marvel never misses a chance to self-reference. So what's crazy is the Transformers used to originally be in the Marvel Universe. And in the original comics, you had had appearances from Spider-Man. You had appearances from Nick Fury. They visited the Savage Land. Other wow. cameos from like, I never knew that. There was crossover with the superheroes and the Transformers. I saw, I mean, we'll get
0: into this, maybe. Uh, I saw there was a crossover in one episode with G.I. Joe. I think there's yeah, a G.I. Joe right. a, uh, villain right. maybe that shows up in one episode. But wow, I didn't realize that Marvel also took a little dip into their metaverse as well. Interesting. Totally. totally. Huh.
1: In America, the comics lasted until 1991, the original Gen 1 comics, with 80 issues. But in the UK, it went 332 issues. Wow. So that's the story. That's the comic. We've done the toys. But I think what a lot of people also remember is that sweet guitar riff introducing the cartoon show. Transformers. In
2: the, skies. the transformers the, beast, the eye the transformers
1: so the TV series came out right around the same time as the toys we've said this this so many times over three and a half years of 80s high but thanks to the deregulation from uh the the administration at the time in the late 70s, coming into the 80s, you know, you were allowed to directly sell pretty much anything you wanted to kids. And so all the time you had these toy lines launching in tandem with a cartoon.
0: Well, and to be fair, it worked. What was number, what was it, two on that list, Saturday morning
1: cartoons? Or was that number one? Ooh, It was number right.
0: one. It was number one.
1: Yeah. Success. Success all around. It was produced by Sunbow Productions and Marvel Productions and later Hasbro Productions. And right from the first episode, it immediately contradicted uh, Budiansky's backstory. So all the stories he had written for all the toys, and that helped with the comics. The minute the TV show, we're already off the rails. It's a different world. It's a different line. The three-part pilot miniseries first aired in September of 1984. It was animated by Toei Animation Japan, and then later by AKOM or Acom. I'm not really. I haven't heard it out loud, but AKOM Acom in South Korea. Okay. And then so when you look at the toys, the toys were a little more militaristic. Like they were obviously robots and they were obviously out to like mess stuff up. They were, they were mm-hmm. out to fight. But when it came to the cartoon, they were a bit softened down. They were a bit more humanized, a bit more anthropomorphized and not so much like G.I. Joe meets a robot sort of thing. Right. Started airing Saturday mornings between October and December. And like we've talked about with other toy lines, like the show serves a great purpose to first like give a backstory of who the toys are. So you want the toys. Yeah. But like we talked about with Dino Riders, there would always be an episode that like introduced a new Transformer. And that was always oh, yeah. to like get you primed for this
0: new toy that was about to hit shelves. And some of these episodes introduced multiples. Like, they weren't just like, oh, here's the Diplodocus. I know it's Diplodocus now, but that's what he (laughs) called it. Here's the Stegosaurus. This is like, here's Sharktacons and Insecticons. And like, they would introduce like a ton in one episode in some of these. I was like, holy crap. So yeah, yeah, definitely the cartoon served to create that addictive mythology and also introduce a new toy that a kid was like, "Mom, dad, I want that one too. I need a I need a DinoBot to fight my Dino Riders,
1: you know. <laughs> that's actually a genius idea. I, okay, that's a good you're a good toy mixer. I oh, That would have been man's fun hooked. I now got him I'm addicted. In. Now I'm in. So, in this very first season, they came out with 49 episodes and then another 16, 65 total episodes. Which I couldn't, like, dig in and figure out, like, exactly the, the law behind this, but there's some sort of ruling that 65 is the minimum number of episodes of any TV show you need to get into weekday broadcast syndication. Yeah. So they, like, strategically made enough, just enough episodes to get syndicated weekday broadcasting.
0: I believe that's from the first two seasons where you get to 65.
1: Oh, it's 16 for the first. And then they were like, this is going great. Let's go bonkers. And they do 49 for the next season. We all look back at those
0: shows that had 24 episodes and we're like, oh my God, that's so many episodes these days. Like a lot of shows, what, 8, 10, Maybe yeah. 14? Oh, yeah. 49, everybody.
1: It's nuts. That's like one a week for an entire year, basically. And if you were into Transformers, like, how great was that? What an awesome year. I mean, that must have shows been. all the time. So good. Buy all the playsets and toys. Here's one of my favorite nuggets from this whole episode, this, like, little lesson. So a critical marketing component of the TV show was that characters always had to address each other by their full names. Mm-hmm. Because that's subliminal marketing. So the yeah. kids keep getting reminded what the toy is on the shelf they want to buy. No one ever says, hey, buddy, hey, friend, you there. It's, it's hey, Soundwave. Hey, right? <laughs> hey, Optimus Prime. Hey, Bumblebee. Which G.I. Joe also does a lot. Sure. You would know better than I do, but not just each character, but like you talk about their vehicles in the full toy name and not just like, let's jump on the motorcycles. It's whatever it was, the G.I. Right. The Joe Rambler, whatever it's called.
0: Well, I think these two are like companion shows in the sense of like you have these ensemble casts of good guys versus bad guys. Yeah. There's always a scheme that the bad guys are trying to do that's foiled by the good guys. You know, they are the champions of bravery and courage and responsibility and honor and all that stuff. And the bad guys, of course, cheat and cut corners. And we're going to see a lot of intertwining. I think we'll talk about some of that, maybe chemistry or contemporary culture. There's a lot of interesting intertwining of these two, particularly when we get to the movie.
1: Yes. What a great segue, Christopher. Every bridge needs two supports to it, to either side. That, we have your segue. And the other is I just want to say, one of the most legendary things that happened with the TV show is we got the voice of Peter Cullen as Mm. Optimus Prime. Mm -hmm. Just like James Avery, who does Shredder, has one of the most iconic cartoon voices of the 80s, Mm. or Frank Welker, who you like to bring up as like every enemy in every cartoon show ever. Including this one. Yeah, Peter Cullen is like, the Voice of Good from 80s Cartoon Saturday Mornings. Yeah. But no, you did bring up one of the most legendary things to happen in the 80s for this property. Because again, if you're a kid who loves a property that you've only known through toys or TV shows, to have the opportunity to see it on the big screen, that thing transform into a movie, is mind-blowing. Right. So on August 8th, 1986, the cartoon becomes the film, The Transformers, The Movie, which mm-hmm. is set in the year... 2005. So the movie introduces the Matrix as the Autobot Matrix of leadership. But the biggest thing that happens in this movie, just 23 minutes into this movie, they kill Optimus Prime. They kill a lot of
0: characters. They kill almost all of the G1 characters. Like yeah. on both sides, they kill a lot. It is a massacre.
1: Like, can you imagine when the when the the live action Ninja Turtles came to the big screen, and if in like the first half hour they killed like Splinter and Leonardo? Yeah. Mind-shattering for a kid of that generation. Yeah. Oh, my God. And some of the comments I saw online, like, this is borderline, like, Artax dying, Littlefoot's mom dying. Like, this is a big deal. And it's not like, oh, they kill him and then immediately bring him right back. Like, no, he dead. Prime be dead. A gross
0: miscalculation on their part, which I'm sure we'll talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. This voice cast is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't need to get into the whole thing but like Megatron transforms into another bad guy Leonard Nimoy Spock voices him scatman crothers like a famous musician does jazz Casey freaking Casem you know like the weekend top 40 is cliff jumper mhm orson gd wells voices Unicron who's like this giant god planet-sized robot yeah yeah so we just talked about a Monty Python troop member writing Labyrinth. And Eric Idle, also from Monty Python, uh, voices the Junkions. Mm. And also one of the theme songs is performed by Lion with Weird Al Yankovic adding a song to the soundtrack. Look at that! Yeah, Dare to be Stupid. Dare to be stupid! Dare to be stupid!
0: A couple other 80s icons. Judd Nelson, Breakfast Club fame, of yeah. course.
1: And And uh, Robert Stack, Unsolved Mysteries! And of course, along with Peter Cullen coming from the cartoon series, Frank Welker remains as the lead Decepticon. And I know, have you been hydrated? Are you ready? You always do a great Welker impression. Can you give us some Welker action tonight? Well, this is really
0: weird. I didn't realize this. I I didn't get a chance to watch the movie. I saw some stuff from it, but it's weird that Welker voices Megatron, but when he becomes Galvatron, he doesn't voice it. That's when Leonard Nimoy comes in for that role. Yeah, right. But I think as the cartoon continues, Welker picks back up the Galvatron voice. Very confusing. Um, You know, that's the I guess the politics of making these things. You're like, we gotta we gotta get Nimoy in here somehow. Uh, we'll, We'll give him Galvatron. I don't know. Oh, gosh. I'm not really good at doing the Megatron, but uh, one of the things he always said in the first couple of episodes was, Excellent! Excellent! He would say that. It's <laughs> very good. A lot. Very villainous. Also, you fools! He said that a lot, too.
1: Well, I was going to say this about the first quote, and then it works with the second one, too. But that's what most of our iTunes reviews say, actually, for 80s High podcast, is excellent, excellent, and you fools. That's what most of them are. Oh, uh, we're going to get into the movie a lot more in chemistry, but just a couple of things here. Yeah. Killing off a lot of the characters is actually very intentional because they wanted to sort of kill them off to introduce the new toy line that was coming out the following year. Yep. But what seemed like a brilliant marketing strategy actually really shot him in the foot. So the movie does not make back its budget, which largely because kids heard that all their heroes are killed in it. And they're like, Mm -hmm. why do I want to see a movie? They're sort of like, I don't know. I feel like our generation these days in the last couple of decades, when there's a lot more darkness to properties we're into, like... It's a little more exciting sometimes to see really big tentpole heroes die sometimes. But, like, back then, like, no, that was unheard of and also not taken well. Your heroes being killed was not a cool thing to see in a movie.
0: No, I don't think they do that in children's programming even today, though. Like, that's more of an adult thing, too. But, like, yeah, again, they clearly had a huge miscalculation on children identifying with these characters sure we'll talk about it, but it was yeah. a very stupid mistake that they very quickly learned and then were like, we got to fix this, you know, pickle we've got ourselves into.
1: And so they, they fix it and then immediately screw up again. So in 1987, there's a two-part season finale in which they resurrect Optimus Prime. Yeah. But then in all the different iterations into the future, you know, Beast Wars and all these different types of iterations of the Transformers show, they do this over and over again where they like – Kill off a hero and then somehow resurrect him over and over again. Isn't
2: this
0: just re-traumatizing adults like from their childhood? Like, come on, you guys, you monsters. But hey, we're paying to go see it, apparently. My goodness.
1: There is a great mini YouTube documentary out there that talks about why so many action properties and hero action movies are just really bad these days. And it's because there's no stakes. And it's specifically because of this thing that the Transformers did. We're like So many times you can kill the hero, but it's a a fake cliffhanger because they just keep getting resurrected. And it just doesn't matter anymore. Nobody cares anymore when their hero dies because you're like, oh, there's going to be the the hand of God that comes in and they're going to get resurrected. And it just doesn't matter anymore. There's no stakes. The last thing about the movie, and I'm going to get into more chemistry of it, but like top to bottom is banging music. It is like a legitimately very good, high produced, big names from the 80s soundtrack that plays along to this movie. That you wouldn't think, like, would ever appear in a children's, like, a little kid's cartoon movie. When I saw some of these songs, I was like, really? Yeah, it's amazing. Honestly, the last little nugget I have for the 80s history of Transformers is that there are major differences between what's written in America, Japan, the United Kingdom, and any other countries they show up. There's a lot of licensing where people can kind of write whatever's going on in the country. So just between those countries, there's a lot of difference. And then hmm. in those specific countries, just like we've talked about in American history, there are major canon difference between TV, movies, toys, and the comic books. So like, I could never find the history where there was like, remember when we talked about it in Fraggle Rock, there was like the Fraggle binder that it was like, here is the core story of the Fraggles. Here's how everybody works. Everyone follow these rules. Right. That either was never written for Transformers or it was written, but no one else had to follow it outside of mm. whoever did it. You know, Marvel may have done it originally, but never asked anyone to do it. That is why in chemistry and in contemporary culture and as we go forward, we're just not going to get into the different lines because there are hundreds that just totally counteract one another. Yeah. Is there anything in the history of this epic battle... Between Autobots and Decepticons, parents' wallets and the dollars with inside them and their children that I missed in history class. Well, there is one thing, and I'm curious, were you planning to talk at all about GoBots? Oh, amazing call. Bring up the bots that go.
0: So this is an interesting one because at first blush, you're going to think GoBots are a knockoff. They're a ripoff of Transformers. GoBots actually come out in 1983,
1: yeah, wait, what? Years before Transformers in the, in America. Well, one year, one, one year, okay, but one year, one year. This to me
0: is a reminder of like you know you learn about Hydrox cookies and you're like oh Hydrox they just ripped off Oreo. Nope, quite the opposite. It's just that Oreo came later and was more successful. It was just this funny thing because I was like oh I know there's Gobots out there. I didn't really play with them as a kid, but clearly they were just like oh Transformers successful. We're gonna R&D, rip off and duplicate, make our own. Yeah. They came technically first. Yeah. But it's it's a good history lesson of to the victor goes the spoils, right? It's not that they tried to like stamp out GoBots, but in our collective memory, Transformers was the one that was, again, the success that couldn't be toppled. Um, but the GoBot toy line was based on figures produced by uh, Poppy, I think is what it's called, of Japan, yeah. which was at that time a character division of Bandai. And it was named Machine Robo. I love all of these different names. Machine Robo. And the toys were produced by Tonka from 1983 to 1987. Yeah. So here
1: you uh, get the DNA. You get the DNA, right? Like Poppy brings the concept of ninjas and Tonka brings trucks. Yeah. Let's let's put these combat trucks together.
0: Anyway, I mean, we don't need to get too much in the GoBots. That was a funny thing where I expected them to be a knockoff. And indeed, they kind of came first. Yeah. And they just
1: couldn't hit it off. Like, I mean, Hanna-Barbera did a cartoon, but just like couldn't compete. Similarly, in 1985, there's also a very popular show I always see on Instagram. People like to bring this one back up with toys called Mask. Oh, I
0: loved Mask. Yeah. Oh my God, I love Mask. Which is an
1: acronym for that stands for Mobile Armored Strike Command, and they fought against Venom. Venom, which was the vicious, evil network of mayhem. And I mean, terrible. You, you having actually saying you love this, I would, I would love your insight into it. But basically, as I view this as an outsider, this is like GI Joe meets Transformers. So like army dudes pilot transforming vehicles. It only ran for one season, which was produced by Deke. But it became kind of a cult classic, only one season, but people see, like, you reacted, love this line. Like, what do you you remember of Mask?
0: Yeah, the toy line was really fun. It was, as you said, I think that's a great way to characterize it. They were smaller in uh, scale than G.I. Joe. So their cars, their vehicles, their characters were a bit smaller. The characters also, I don't remember them being as articulated as a G.I. Joe. I think they just had more like the straight legs that you could kind of bend or whatever. Almost a little bit like the Dino Rider characters. But oh, anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. They were just really fun. Like one of them had a Camaro that could like the front end sort of flipped over and I think it had guns and the wings came down like gall wings and then like it flew. And then there was a semi truck, but like the front uh grill kind of Came out as like a battering ram, and they were kind of fun, cool toys, and much like Transformers, you could play with them in their like normal state versus their like transformed state, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And so you had
0: kind of these two versions that you could play as a kid. Yeah, I I really love Mast. I can still hear the theme song in my head. Again, addictive. So it's good. Still there. Little earworm. I didn't make that connection, but totally, that's like kind of a
1: Transformers ripoff. As far as I know, we have given you, dear listener, the greatest summary history we can in the 80s of GoBots, Mask, and Transformers, all the transforming robots and vehicles that we can. Chris, have we missed anything that we need to remind them about? No,
0: I think it's time we get down the hallway because I really want to talk more about our experiences. And I don't think history is the right class for that, Benjamin. We We need a different classroom.
1: Where do we go after history? What's on the schedule? Well, I think the only place for us to go is down the hallway to chemistry. So, podcast hosts, roll out. (laughs) It was like I rode my mountain bike up and I skidded the back tire out. I'm here in chemistry.
0: We now return to the Transformers. (laughs) That's Uh. so good. That's
1: so good. So, out of the gate, like I said at the top of the show, I don't have an 80s history with Transformers. But you do, as someone who also is a professional toy line mixer as a child, yeah. playing words. Tell us about you and the Transformers in the 80s, man. Yeah, so this is one of the few
0: that I recall when my brother and I had the same interest at the exact same time. He's four years older than me. So like, you know, age-wise, we were just far enough apart where it's like we didn't always like the same things at the same time. But I remember he and I both had Transformers and would play with them together. I'd also play with my friends, uh, particularly my friend Nathan that I've talked about a lot on the show. So looking back at the different lines, as best as I can tell, most of what we had was from the 84 and 85 toy lines. I did not see much beyond that that looked familiar or that I could say with certainty that we owned. The ones I absolutely know we owned. Do we want to get into this already or? Please, no,
1: this, this is perfect. Yes. Okay.
0: The ones I know we absolutely own was Optimus Prime.
1: So good. We had the Constructicons. Which was like, I don't want to gloss over it. Like, was that a white whale? Is that a big deal that you had Optimus Prime? Was that a hard one to get? I don't remember it being a hard
0: one to get. I mean, I didn't purchase it myself. Sure. I got it right. at yeah, some yeah, point yeah, for yeah, something, yeah, yeah.
1: but I remember
0: getting it. Like I, I, there was no story of like, we had to go to five different Toys R (laughs) Uses throughout the world, you know, nothing like that. So Constructicons, which are the little kind of lime green, purple construction vehicles. We had all of them so they could form into, oh gosh, what was the Devastator? I think Devastator is the name of the the giant bot. I had Ultra Magnus, which was another semi-truck that had a car carrier that turned into a large robot. So it was kind of like the good guys, I think. Answer to the constructor cons. We definitely had Blaster. He's like the red boombox. Oh, yeah. Maybe Soundwave. So, Soundwave was that first gen. So good. Uh, with the tape cassettes. He and looked Blaster, awesome. Blaster was like the Autobots version, more or less, if I remember correctly. Okay. Okay. I think that's it. I know someone, probably a kid in the neighborhood, had Megatron. I remember seeing the gun. Oh, yeah. And then I think my friend Nathan had Bumblebee which I don't believe we ever had. But I mean, we talked about this when we talked about real Ghostbusters. Bumblebee always reminded me of April's yellow VW uh, bug convertible. Because it transforms into like a brain manis comes out of it. It doesn't. doesn't, A hunter is the toy. Yeah, 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 hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, I guess it doesn't turn into a manis, but it's like a manis inside the car that sort of comes out or whatever. So those are the ones that I can remember. I definitely know, I mean, the cartoon jingle, the cartoon song, all of that. Definitely resonates. I know I watched it at some point. On rewatch, there was no episode or story arc that I was like, I remember that. But I definitely would have seen it because that theme song is just like lodged in there. (laughs) Never saw the movie, though. Okay. Probably one of the most genius things about this property. I mean, you always talk about the addictive mythology, the stories that kids get addicted to. Clearly, that resonated for a lot of kids. But to me... The theme song, obviously, We've talked about that. Like, there was no theme song for Dino Riders. We were like, if only they had a banging theme song, maybe it would have made it. I don't know. Can we talk about the theme song for a minute? We can because it has two of the catchiest taglines I think of any toy line. Okay, what, what are the what are the
1: what are the taglines?
0: Well, I mean, so you've got Transformers, more than meets the eye, so good. Transformers, robots in disguise. The rest of the song you don't even need to hear because the the rest <laughs> is kind of clunky. It's like. The the E before, the Transformers, <laughs> We're back in disguise. You know, you like know, you go back into it's that so you like, good. The the little bridge or whatever that's in there. Like <laughs> nobody remembers any of those words. Because you've got no. the two key pieces you need for success.
1: Here's the thing about this theme song. I just want to talk- you touched on it, and then I want to go back to your memories because it's really important to me. But the theme song Okay, this like blew a whole philosophy for me in like 70s and 80s with this Transformers theme song. Like kids shows, producers of kids shows before these television shows, like Turtles and Transformers, really looked at kids as like little diminutive simple-minded children and like made i think generally really simple programming for kids like you get stuff like howdy doody and things like that before the 80s and the theme songs were always like and like the kids would be singing along and like follow the bouncing ball right but it wasn't i don't think i can't find evidence until like the 80s started to treat kids older than they were and like made them feel more grown up and cooler than they felt and this theme song is Legitimately awesome. Like, it is well-written. It rips with, like, a guitar riff, like, right in the beginning. Like, wee, wee, transformers! And it's, like, it's performed by, like, it sounds like an 80s big hair metal band, like, and they're rocking the flip out about this. And you're like, wow, as a kid, this would get you stoked. This sounds like what your bigger, your older brother or sister was listening to. And you'd get psyched.
0: You know, I don't have anything to back this up, but when you talk about, like, treating kids older than they are... I just have to wonder you have all these marketers who've been around in the 60s and 70s whatever it's early 80s and all of a sudden they're like all right everybody we can market to children now and they're <laughs> like children uh, how do we do that well let's just market to them like they're adults but we'll make it a little different like <laughs> i just wonder if like there was nobody out there who was like let's keep the child in mind because again Child psychologists hated this idea. They fought yeah, it vehemently for right. so long. Any child advocate was like, this is the worst thing on earth. And then deregulation happens. And these marketers, did they consciously do that? Or was it more just like that was their language and they didn't know how to right. age it right. down enough? I
1: don't know. I will say, just since we're here real fast, we did ask our class of 80s high if there were any better theme songs from the 80s for kids cartoon. Okay. And most people like agreed Transformers was awesome couple of mentions for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is, I have the same theory about that as I do Transformers. Like, Absolutely. Yep. Somebody said Mask. Might have been you. If I don't know if you took our survey. Mask. I didn't take the survey, but that's hilarious. Someone, wow, okay. DuckTales, which is like one of my top three cartoon oh, yeah. opening theme songs of all time. I love yeah. DuckTales. Uh, and G.I. Joe. Somebody said G.I. Joe was close, but still they like Transformers. G.I.
0: Joe, American hero, G.I. Joe's there. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's
1: not bad. Thank you for that tangent to get into the theme song. Please let us go back to your nostalgia machine. Tell us more about uh, you and Transformers in the 80s. I think the other thing that was genius was the
0: transforming sound. That sound oh effect, every God. single kid emulated that sound effect when they were playing with these toys. You can't convince me otherwise. Everybody. It's simplistic, but it's also something that you could, with your mouth, create. <laughs>
1: You know, however you want to do it, you could do that. Everybody who just heard that just time traveled back to the mid-80s. Like, that sound effect is incredible.
0: These audio cues serve as this marketing jingle that automatically you associate with the thing. It's genius. All these decades later, it immediately presses the nostalgia button. And they managed to do it brilliantly. And so, like, you didn't need to know anything else. You had those pieces... And I think that was enough. If you knew more, great, all the better. But you didn't need any of that. So I will say for me, this was an interest that came and left pretty quickly. My transforming enthusiasm did not really extend much beyond the 80s as far as I can recall. Okay. You know, I think it got replaced by other things. And I had some toys that I think were longer lasting, but I think I definitely had like an earlier attachment to Transformers.
1: This is like asking a parent which one of their kids is their favorite. But did you have a favorite Transformer toy? I mean, it
0: sounds cheap, but I think it's, it was Optimus Prime because it was, okay. I think, my first. And I really enjoyed playing with it.
1: You never forget your first Transformer.
0: I do, however, I have a very sad story about my Optimus Prime toy. When I was playing with it, he broke. The legs broke. No! And I had to make a Sophie's Choice. My dad was like, I can super glue this. But whatever position I super glue it in, Optimus is stuck there. He's either a truck forever.
1: What do you choose? Or he's a robot forever. Oh my God. He can't transform anymore. This is an existential crisis for Prime. Like, what is he going to be for the
0: rest of his life? Here's the wild thing. I don't remember what I chose. (gasps) I really don't remember. That's what's so crazy. I was trying like heck to think... I want to say it would have been the robot, but I can't with any certainty say that. I also do believe eventually a replacement was purchased. So I think I got a new one. Good,
1: good, good, good. good.
0: But at least for a certain amount of time, I was stuck either with Optimus Truck or Optimus Robot. And I can't remember. I don't remember. For my little, gosh, what would I have been in 1985? Six-year-old brain. That was just like, what do I do? What do I do? The choices. The earth-shattering consequences of my choices here.
1: That's I oh, love man. that. I love that 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 decision. I well, we did pose the same question to the class of '80s high, and I was surprised. There's some consistency. Okay. So we had a unnamed classmate first uh, <laughs> said probably some Dinobots. Dinosaurs are great. Robots mm. are great. No one knows what's going on or why these things exist. So let's just make everything awesome.
0: Right. I agree. It's
1: so good. And this is the consistency Optimus Jim agrees. He loved the Dinobots the most when he was a kid. Hmm. He says, I can't tell you how happy I was when I opened my presents that year and saw that I had three or four of them. That'd have been amazing. If your parents are going to get you some Transformers for birthday or for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever, you can't just get one. Like, you need them to be able to fight each other. And so it's awesome to get a bunch at once.
0: Well, like, if you got one of the Constructicons, that would be, like, Probably more sad than it would be enjoyable because you're like, well, I'm the rest? All I have is the (laughs) left leg. I need more. He doesn't have any friends. Oh, man.
1: But a bit of a darker classmate, Arintron, says Megatron was the best. He was usable as a cool toy gun in addition to using him with other Transformers. I played with a lot of that toy until all the joints were so loose he wouldn't stand up in robot mode. LOL.
0: I do remember the joints could get really, like, loosey-goosey and wiggly. That was... Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, with yeah, a lot yeah. of those, it happened to G.I. Joe as well, right? You'd have that G.I. Joe that had like the like the little noodle arm that just kept moving around because the, <laughs> the little teeny <laughs> tiny screw would just get a little loose.
1: Yeah. Now, you've talked about this with other toy lines, so I've got to ask you this question. Were there any Transformer toys you never got, but you really wanted that were like the Holy Grails, the Ecto-1s, the firehouses, the aircraft yeah. carriers of G.I. Joe? So
0: I probably I thought about this. I probably would have wanted Bumblebee, cause like cool yeah. VW Bug, cool little car. I probably would have wanted Starscream. He was a like really cool fighter jet.
1: Ooh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that one. would
0: have been a really cool toy to have. Like now,
1: is it because you wanted the toy, or like in your soul, you're someone who always just questions leadership, and you're sort of a thorn in everyone's side, and like always try to take on the in charge.
0: You know, I do question leadership. Maybe I am a star scream. If I took my, <laughs> what transformer are you? I was a star scream. We, I should, have I we should have done that. I could have done that. What transformer are you? How about you, Ben? You're not answering any of these questions. So oh, that's you've true. actually never asked a question. Have you ever played with a transformer? What made you pick this topic if you hadn't? Uh, no, it's like Explain the same thing. Explain yourself. Explain yourself.
1: What are you yourself. doing here? What are you doing here? WTF, no. Ben. It's like He Man, like uh, like I know it's a big property. I was curious to learn about it and like see what all the noise was about, all the woof, 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 like what all that was about, and I was just curious. So I you've have never... never had a Transformer toy. Well, we'll get into contemporary culture. I do okay. have one as sort of like a desk decoration.
0: Okay, as an adult though.
1: Once upon a time, but never as a kid. I mean, I would say like. Looking at G1, I actually think Soundwave looks really freaking cool. I love like little Transformers pop out of his cassette player. Like his voice work was good. I like Soundwave. I think that's pretty cool.
0: I definitely remember somebody having the little cassettes. It may have been my friend Nathan, but I remember somebody had them because they would turn into the little, like the little dog or there's like a bird or
1: whatever one. Uh, Yeah. Maybe you can help me though. There's one Transformer I don't really understand from G1 and it's like the dude who basically just has two fists and he's good at smashing the ground he like makes things shake yeah and that's all he does like he has no weapons he's not a good punchy dude he can't kick or fly i don't think i don't even know
0: i think you just answered the question of what happened earlier today i think we finally figured out what that guy shook the
1: ground oh my goodness that's what happened i think the decepticons
0: are up to no good
1: we also asked the class of 80s, hi, what were the golden goose eggs that you never got a hold of? And actually, most of them were pretty happy, except somebody was pretty ticked off that a friend broke their Soundwave as a kid. I would be very mad. Super mad, super mad. But Aaron Tron did said, absolutely, especially Soundwave, Starscream, and Grimlock. Starscream, just like you. Grimlock was the T-Rex. That would have been cool. Yeah. But Aaron Tron said those three were so hard to find at the height on Transformers' G1 popularity, as were any of the Decepticon jets. I have purchased all of these as Transformers Masterpiece Editions. Oh. Oh. How about that? Last big question I've got for you at the top of this chemistry is you always talk about mixing toys. Like, how did you mix Transformers with other toy lines in your adventures? I don't believe that I did. Oh, these... Now, why not? What Were these too pure... You could not mix the Transformers with others, or they were too deadly. Like, G.I. Joe's turtle's no problem, but when an Optimus Prime shows up, everybody loses. Well, what would you mix them with? Size-wise,
0: what would you mix them with? Because as vehicles, they don't really translate into anything else. Again, I'm not going to have a giant Ninja Turtle next to... I mean, I guess you could have them fight side by side, but the whole idea is that the Transformers are huge compared to a person. Yeah. And a Ninja Turtle is human size. And so if you have Optimus Prime fighting next to a ginormous turtle, <laughs> he's either really tiny. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe it was like that age. Again, I didn't play with them a whole lot, you know, compared to other things, but I just don't think they mix and match well given their their size and what they yeah. were. Like yeah. you couldn't combine them with Hot Wheels. That's true. Because Hot Wheels are too small. I think it's the the size of them just didn't really intermix.
1: In the storyline would be lame. Like, they're all just Transformers who, who forgot how to transform back into robots. They're I just mean, you stuck? could
0: have the robots fight as something. I mean, that's probably the way you would do it, is you have the robots fight alongside other properties, right? Like, they fight alongside G.I. Joe. I guess sure. you could do that. I just don't remember doing it. My okay. question to you, though, is, because you've talked about some of these— Looking at this toy line, were there any that you were like, "Oh, I would have loved to have this as a kid or as adult, Ben"? Like, were there any that really stood out to you? And basically, what I'm getting at is, how many Dinobots did you want? <laughs> and that's really what we're all needing to find out. Ben, Love <laughs> of dinosaurs took us back to Dino Riders. Clearly, you saw those and were like, "Me one." Want- what are those? They're all really dumb.
1: Yeah, why are they, they so freaking dinosaur, dumb? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Look, I I do not know how this all missed me so much because I absolutely, as little Ben, would have wanted Dinobots for sure. They look awesome. And I can't disagree. I mean, in general, the whole toy line is genius for children because like little kids, especially little boys in the 80s, loved vehicles and also love robots. So to smash these two concepts together is genius. Well, then you add in dinosaurs, you add in...
0: Insects, you add in like all these things yeah. you know, kids are interested in,
1: you got it made right there. So yeah, I I mean to answer a question, I think the Dinobots look awesome. Again, as an adult, I would love like a G1 sound wave. Just looks, mm. just the color on them, the design is all like really, really cool. I think maybe those two were the main were there were there pretty like legit bases like In the TV show, there's pretty significant bases for both the Decepticons and the Autobots. Like, were the bases pretty great?
0: I don't think there were any. I think the closest thing you got was the platform that was the trailer of Optimus Primes that, like, folds down. And I think it had, like, a turret or a gun that he could sit at and fire. But I don't remember any bases. I think it was almost purely the figures. Wow.
1: Okay. We've talked a lot about the toys. Can we talk about the cartoon show a little bit? Of course. Of course. So, in prep for this episode, I just watched the three-part intro to season one, which is, you know, the tag from the the theme song, More Than Meets the Eye, is the name of it. What was your research to get ready?
0: I watched the three-part premiere. I picked up another couple episodes from season one. I've got an episode from season two. There's a five-part intro to season three, which picks wow. up right after the movie. Okay. I saw the two-parter where Optimus Prime comes back. And then season four is only, uh, what is it, three episodes, I think. And so I watched those. And that's like the end of Generation
1: One. Okay. I mean, lead us through the TV show then. I mean, you you were the much better student on the, on the TV series here. Well, I mean, we
0: should talk about the intro to this because you talked about like four million year time jump. Oh what my God. It's a hack. It's big. It cracked me up. The first thing I got a chuckle out of is like, and I mentioned this earlier. Thank heavens they woke up in the 80s where they look exactly like the vehicles
2: <laughs> that they were constructed
0: four plus million years ago. I thought that was just hilarious. Again, there's a lot of this show you just kind of have to be like, logic need not apply. None of oh this makes God. any sense. We're just going to move along. Frank Welker, of course, always does a great bad guy. Yeah. But all of the lines that Megatron had were ridiculous. I can't tell you the number of times he said, excellent.
1: Excellent. Excellent!
0: You fools! You'll never stop me. But then he had one line that cracked me up. You couldn't lead an android to a picnic.
1: What does that mean? I have no idea. I have no idea. Someone also yelled at Megatron, "Stick it in neutral, Megatron," which Stick I thought was like a pretty good Megatron. insult. <laughs>
0: like some of the... Oh man, it's. Uh, I mean, the animation's rough, as you would expect. You know, this is not top-line animation. They're cranking out episodes at a a fool's pace. But yeah, it's basically just they're trying to get their footing on Earth. And ever the inventive, creative problem solver, Megatron every episode has some kind of scheme to get power, to repair something, to get back to... Cybertron to win the war. He's always got a new scheme up his sleeve. Good on him. <laughs> this guy, he's, he's you can say him. a lot of things about him. To your point about gremlins, he loves what he does.
1: Oh, he, he, yeah, seriously. Except when, when um, Starscream is all up in his business. I, I don't know if that's oh, some yeah. sort of like political commentary they're trying to make, but like the leadership of the Decepticons is always tenuous and threatened. And the good guys, everyone's like, Prime's the guy. We get it. Everyone follow Prime. But like no one seems to want to follow Megatron. <laughs> but that's
0: the that's the archetype, right? The bad guys are thirst for power. So anyone who follows yeah. them also yeah. wants to thirst for power. So they're gonna try to overthrow the top dog so they can be the alpha. Totally. So like yeah, it definitely plays into that archetype of bad guy as cunning in every way possible to stand on the chassis of their fallen. Uh, <laughs> Fellows in enemies, so they can be the top of the scrap heap.
1: And you're you're paying very good homage to Transformers with all these puns, because like I think there actually are a lot of really good zingers in the show. Like there are a lot of good one lines that the characters deliver. It's no, yeah, I don't think it rises to like the pun level of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. But like, there's way more of that snappy, witty, quick writing than like we've talked about and like. Uh, Like He-Man or Dino Riders um, or Snorks. Like it's just like a fast, funny, zing. there's like zingers a minute going on.
0: Yeah, you're right. A lot of puns. It does share that DNA with TMNT. I mean, I don't know that Megatron ever had his equivalent of tonight we dine on turtle soup. But, you know, he definitely had his different little quips that he would make that usually, you know, you'll be in the scrap heap or, you know, you'll be in the junkyard, you know, something like that.
1: You know, you talk about like uh the you have to just accept a leap in logic. I'm not gonna go through all my logic questions, but like one of the main ones is just that translation from Diaclone and Microman to this world, where like like you have Starscream turns into a super awesome jet fighter. And then like, <laughs> and then Reflector is a handheld camera, like the mm. size of a normal handheld camera. And Soundwave is like, I'm a normal-sized walkman. Like, I, the transforming is, is sort of inconsistent with how awesome the uh, objects are that they turn into.
0: Again, logic need not apply. It's sure. really not, you sure. know, we're, we're not going to look too closely to any of this stuff, right? The fact that Megatron is a giant robot that somehow transforms into the size of a gun that one of his compatriots can grab and fire right. like a normal right. gun. Right. You know, the laws of physics, let's just not even... We're not even going to question it. We're not going to pretend.
1: Not only do we, the audience, just have to accept the logic, but the humans in the cartoon accept it all no problem.
0: The humans are just kind of like, oh, there's robots here. Okay,
1: well, let's start working with them. I was like, dudes, this is alien
0: contact.
1: And, Like in episode two, the Autobots meet just a couple of oil rig workers. Yeah. And the oil rig workers are like, Who are you? And Optimus tells them, like, the straight out truth. Like, we're from a war on Cybertron, many where we crash landed here, and now we're awake. And the two oil rig workers are like, Okay. <laughs> like, they have like no that questions. tracks All right.
0: what, what do you need from us? How can we help? No notes. <laughs> like the the military never what? shows up the government never shows no! up the president never makes an address like there's nothing of like we've been invaded
1: by yeah. monsters from right. space right the, the 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 autobots basically meet bruce willis's crew from armageddon and right. they're all like yeah we get it cool no we totally get it space yeah. robots we're in
0: i watched the episode sos dinobots cuz this is where they introduce oh, great. the yeah, dinobots yeah. so watch that uh, had to watch Heavy Metal War, which introduces the Constructicons. Because again, okay. that okay. was one of the coveted uh, sets that I believe my brother had. There's also The Secret of Omega Supreme. Now, this is in season two, but this was actually an interesting story. So this really centers on themes of revenge and responsibility. So Omega Supreme is somewhat of this elusive character, as far as I can tell, on the Autobot side. Basically, you learn his backstory because Prime is like... Trying to have a heart to heart with him because he's just he's being very like unemotional and detached, and you <laughs> like find like a out robot, that, okay. And you find out that Omega was duped into abandoning his post on Cybertron, oh, and the Constructicons are the ones to betray him, and they <gasps> destroy his city and kill all of his friends. Oh my God! What he like has this burden that like kind of weighs on him, and then. Prime basically needs him to, like, get back into fighting condition because a, a pterodactyl mantis robot thing. As, as you do. That's very as you do Attack San Francisco. And they're like, only Omega can lure him back into space to eat the asteroids, which are his real food. So, sure. San Francisco, you are a tasty snack. It's a San Francisco <laughs> treat. So, basically. <laughs> oh, it's
1: a San Francisco treat. That's perfect. That's really good.
0: And I was just like, okay, that was weird, but also, like, it really leaned into the themes of revenge and responsibility. And it is one thing, and I think this has to go back to how these cartoons could exist. You know, it's the, now we know, and knowing is half the battle. G.R. Right right, 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 right. They needed that there to be like, we're not just selling toys. We're also selling an idea of how to be a good person. Right? Yeah, that was like, yeah, their, like yeah. their way into it. And so I think these kinds of stories, the reason we got them was not we want to tell a compelling story. We want to tell something that will resonate, that will teach, that a kid can learn. It was really like, all right, we need need to put something in here. But oddly, those are the things the kid's attach to. Those are the stories and the lessons. And that's why when you get to the movie, when they're like, let's reset the toy line, is really what they thought. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to reset the toy line. And you're like, you murdered our favorite characters, is what you actually did. Wholesale. Including the leader that everybody loves. And the number of people who in the comment sections were like, I stopped watching the show after this. I lost interest because they killed off Prime and all these characters. was just like, they were so clueless as to what they had. They literally thought they were just selling toys and that kids had no affinity or affiliation other than that. And that kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe in re- retrospect, it's easy to say that and think that they didn't have social media where they could immediately. No. They didn't have Amazon reviews where they could immediately see kids' reactions. Wait. They didn't have you know reels where kids are like opening something and like an unboxing of Optimus Prime. Oh my gosh, this is amazing! So I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. But you have to think some kid wrote a letter was like, Optimus Prime is my biggest hero. Thank you so much for writing the show and making the toys. <laughs> I don't you can know. tell us
1: the truth. Did you write that letter? That's okay if you did. If you want to read the letter on the show, that's I fine. did.
0: I did. <laughs> Frank Welker never wrote me back, you monster. You
1: monster. Um, you know, speaking of like the sort of story that was in here, I think something that really impressed me is like so much happens in every 22-minute episode. Like every oh episode is dense with it's excitement. zipping all over
0: the place.
1: There's a lot going on. And when I think of like, as, again, other shows we've covered on this podcast – like, there's a lot of downtime in transition. There's some loose writing in, in Ghostbusters and in Dino Riders and He-Man. There's like, we're either going to sit down calmly and talk about the problem or we're going to f- watch people travel to a location to make a thing happen. But Transformers is like every minute there's quips and there's fighting and there's like some new thing getting blown up or getting built. Like, at least the three that I watched, I was like, wow, these are great. These are dense. There's a lot going on. These are awesome. And I would say that that more or less carries
0: out throughout. I think you know they're trying to pack so much into that first three-parter because it's like this is the origin story, right? We got to jam all this stuff in there. But I would say by and large, like the other thing they do a lot is like the switching back and forth, and they have the little clever like switch back and forth transition music, and then it yeah. either shows the Decepticon logo or it shows the Autobots dude, logo. Dude, so it's like you know, it's almost like Batman, like back of the Batcave. You know, it's almost like that. But you know, if it's the purple face, we're going back to the Decepticons. If it's red, we're back with the Autobots.
1: I'm so glad you did that call out. There's like a structure in these episodes I really like that I haven't seen in like, either I've forgotten about other cartoons or it's not so common. I First of all, just like you said, I love the bumpers between like when you're going to do a commercial break, you know, the Transformers will return after these messages. Like I just miss, you don't get that really in TV anymore because everything's streaming. There's no messages. Yeah. Unless you've got the cheap level of Hulu and then there's messages that blare out of your TV and deafen everyone in the room. That's right. But I also love at the end of each episode on the next episode of Transformers. And it like gives you a little preview of like what's going to happen next. And that's another thing you don't get in TV anymore or like children's television or not. And like that's so exciting as a kid and like a sneak preview of like, whoa, wait, what robot was that? What's going to happen? I have to be there and watch next Saturday morning.
0: Yeah, that's definitely one thing with streaming. I mean, obviously – for the most part, you know, some streamers do release on a weekly basis and the seasons are much shorter as we've mentioned and we all know. But that was one fun thing about these shows is when it's like on the next episode of whatever and they showed you that little preview. And sometimes you watched and you were like, oh, man, like it just looked like a <laughs> boring episode. But other times you were like, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch that. Well, we're going into reruns for the next five right, weeks. Right, no! right, right.
1: And you had to wait like a month or two. On the next episode of Transformers, Optimus Prime realizes as a semi-truck, he does need a DMV tag. And he goes and waits in line for four hours. You're like, oh, I'll skip that one. I'll go out and play. Hey, that was one of the best
0: episodes of Seinfeld, waiting at that Chinese restaurant. (laughs) Maybe maybe Optimus at the DMV is like the best episode ever. Now, Ben, Omega Supreme, that's season two. This is the thing that blew my mind. You know, a lot of shows, they have their run and then they have a movie and that kind of extends the storyline, right? This one is like firmly in the middle of this series. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, maybe yeah. not technical middle, but you know what I mean? It's after season two, granted, 65 episodes. But then you get this movie dropped in the middle. Now you watched the movie. I did not. Going from... The premiere, that three parter. Yeah. And then going to this movie is a, probably a big jump for a couple of reasons, right? Yeah. I think obviously, the voice cast, you upgrade it by adding so many well known talented voices, but the animation, because it's a movie, is so much better. It is mind blowing the change between that first three parter and what you get in the movie.
1: Yes. It's wild. Can you talk about all about the movie? Anything about the movie? I've got so many notes. I'm so excited about the movie. Going from what the TV show was to this movie, the animation feels much closer to like heavy metal. Like it is detailed, it is yeah. darker and more like dark, like literally darker shades of colors. It's not as poppy as kids. It just feels awesome. It's so good. And you layer on top of the fact that that grittier, more detailed, more grown-up animation, that there is not a second in this movie that doesn't have legit 80s power rock in it. (laughs) Like, this feels like heavy metal, but with Transformers. It's awesome! The music is so, so, so good. Like, here's the thing. If you took away the lyrics of some of these songs, you didn't hear about robots or Transformers, this would be totally normal to go to, like a bar, a club, even like an arena in the 80s, and hear bands perform this music. Like, it is freaking sweet in this movie.
0: Now, isn't it true that that song, You Got the Touch, wasn't that supposed to originally be for like a Stallone movie?
1: Oh, really? I don't know. i missed that. There was one of these
0: songs that was supposed to be for, um... What's the arm wrestling movie?
1: Oh, Cobra? Okay. No,
0: that was Over the Top. It's not Over the Top. (laughs) One of my brother's favorite movies. He loved that one. Oh, my God. I think it was Cobra. And I it was either You Got the Touch or maybe it was Dare. Now I can't remember. Oh, yeah. But they passed on it for some reason. And so they're like, well, we've got this song. Let's put it in a Transformers movie. Oh, totally. Why not? Well, and
1: it comes in awesomely because like Megatron and the Decepticons are wrecking everybody. Everything looks terrible. And then Optimus Prime shows up and it's like, you got the touch. And he just wails on nice. everyone. And it's like such a victorious arrival oh, for Prime. Amazing. It's so good. So, I mean, the music's great. The animation's good. I'm not going to go through each person, but everybody crushes their voice work and they sound amazing. When you hear Orson Welles with the work they do on his voice for Unicron, it is chilling. And like the narrator's voice is so good, um, I actually really like Eric Idle, who you know does the the junk robots. Yeah, they all only talk in TV. Like they all sound like TV ad. Like buy now and save. Like just watch the fluid next week. Uh, does your car need to tune up? And that's all they do. Which huh. I th- I think is where and we'll get to it. The 2007's version of Bumblebee only talks in radio. He's broken. He can only tune in and out of radio stations. I'm wondering if this came from the movie back then. Hmm. But immediately out of the gate, you mentioned an episode like this. Like in the movie, it starts like there's this cheerful little robot society, some other planet, not Cybertron. And like Unicron shows up and eats this planet. Yeah, And it's not like, oh, no, there's the planet. It is focused on these families being destroyed and disintegrated, like children robots falling into the cracked tectonic plates of this planet, like people crying and screaming. It's grown up so much more than the TV show Out of the Gate.
0: Unicron is such an interesting character because it's this giant planetoid, basically. But it has these like – it has arms, right? I think it has arms. Unicron? Yeah.
1: Yeah, when he transforms eventually. He's more like a Death Star for most of the movie.
0: Okay, so he doesn't have arms when he's in Death Star mode, but he does have this like giant mouth or like yes. maw that yeah. opens up. Yeah. And it basically just sucks everything in. And seeing that as being part of the movie was really cool. Like me, current oh, yeah. day Chris, seeing that, I was like, oh, wow. And then there was a really interesting dialogue exchange between Megatron and Unicron, which is like seriously good writing. Yeah. It was really this like negotiation of sorts. And basically Megatron is trying to strike a deal. Yeah. And he's like, what else do I get? And Unicron's like, Bro, you're in no bargaining position here. I'm a god. What are you doing? But that just shows you the ball bearings that are (laughs) on Megatron. The the truck nuts hanging off of Megatron. (laughs) Yeah, this devourer of worlds shows up and he's basically going to be like, hey, I've got a bargain for you. What more are you going to give me to sweeten the pot for us to team up?
1: A thousand percent. I actually
0: thought- It was wild. I
1: thought the movie is actually really good. Like, I think it actually has a legit story, a well-written story, and it's pretty dynamic. Like, I would recommend it today- but I mean, there's a couple more notes about the movie I love. Like, they swear in it, again, about like growing up. Like, they, the writers sneak in, like, the Autobots swear several times. <laughs> there's an S bomb
0: in the movie, yeah.
1: Yeah, which is like, did as you a see kid, why? We...
0: No, why? So, they wanted a PG rating for this movie because Smart. PG movies got more time in the theaters than G rated movies. So, they purposefully added in swear words to give it a PG so that they could get that like coveted rating. So it'd be in the theaters longer.
1: Oh, that's smart. That's smart. I was thought the show how silly it was that they do so much melee fighting when they have all these awesome weapons. Yeah. And it feels like in the movie, all the Decepticons and Autobots are like, oh right, we have cannons and lasers. And they like shoot way more than like punching each other in the mm. in the movie. They like get it. They're like, oh right, we're armed. Right. Also, I found my spirit animal transformer in the movie in the form of Blur, which is the cocaine transformer. Who was like, he's like, oh, my God. Yes, after I thought it was fine. I can do like the good. I can do like the good. I'm going to go clean that. I'm going to go clean that. Gonna, oh, the ship is not coming. We're go inside. to go inside. go inside. Go inside. The ship's going to go. We're going to go. Like, that was awesome. The cocaine transformer.
0: I effing hated <laughs> that stupid effing <laughs> robot.
1: Oh, my God. I Chris, talked, why?
0: Why, Chris? Why? I talked in the Labyrinth episode about movies that want to have screaming, crying babies. Yeah for like three and a half yeah. minutes straight of a child in distress or a dog barking and whining in distress. And how that is like the worst choice you make for a movie. Every yeah, time boom, this boom. stupid yeah. character was on, I was like gripping the armrest of my oh chair. My and I was God. like, I freaking hate this little dirt bag. <laughs> it's very irritating. I hated that character. <laughs> the most irritating thing. And then there's an episode where they pair him up with this other one, let me get the name. I think it's Wheelie. Wheelie is the oh, one. Oh yeah,
1: Wheelie. Sure. That
0: yeah. all only speaks in rhymes. <laughs> so you point <laughs> idiot next to some dingbat who's like let the bee and I was like kill me now. <laughs> Launch these two idiots into a thousand suns. I hated them so much. I, and this is the thing that's like mind boggling. So. First off, kill all these characters, shrewd yeah, right. business decision. We want more expensive toys. They replace this cast with the dumbest
1: robots <laughs> ever. If you're going to
0: kill them off, make better robots.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's you have obnoxious
0: call. people. You have one that's like a British robot that's like, I'm highly intelligent and I can do X, Y, Z. Oh, yeah, and right. then Hot Rod becomes the leader and you call him Rodimus Prime? Oh yeah, that was
1: a weird stretch. Rodimus Prime. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) What coke
0: binge were you on? And so the funny thing is, so writer Ron Friedman of the screenplay for the movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Strongly advised against killing Prime. He said, it's biting the hand that feeds you. You're physically removing daddy from the toy line. Prime was the heartbeat of the Autobots. Children identified with character archetypes and story mythology. It proved a highly lucrative marketing strategy. Of course, they didn't listen to Friedman. Shot themselves in the face. So dumb. And I basically, in one of the videos I watched, saw this comment that I thought was very encapsulating. uh, From Pizza Rat 3275. Oh, Pizza Rat. You know, Pizza Rat. I actually saw the movie in the theater upon initial release. I remember being extremely traumatized by seeing characters I loved get killed. While I ended up liking some of the new characters eventually, I hated the movie itself for a very, very long time. The way that most of the characters died, I think, was what bothered me the most. Other than Optimus Prime, their deaths were treated as if they were nothing. Yeah. As if they were
1: disposable, which to the executives, they were. Oh, my God. I mean, totally coincidentally, and listeners, I swear on this, these are not my postings. But I did see in the last two weeks on the 80s subreddit, somebody posted, what did you think of the Transformers movie? Hmm. And the most upvoted comment was, I was not emotionally equipped to handle the death of Optimus Prime at my age. Effing destroyed me. And we asked our class of 80s high, too, like what they thought when Optimus Prime died in the movie. And really got, you know, similar echoes of what everybody else is saying so one classmate said, since this movie never made it to my single screen hometown, I didn't have access to the movie until I was too old to care, which is the real tragedy. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, so true. Optimus Jim said, I didn't feel that bad because I knew there had to be some kind of way that he could have been brought back to life. Jim thought through it. He knew that this was a mistake and they were coming He
0: read The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and knew that Aslan the Lion was coming back. (laughs) And so he was like, I'm not
1: worried about this at all. I know the jig is up. Wow. I did not think we were going to get into The Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe in this. That's a good surprise. I like that. Great thread. Uh, Aaron Tron says, I remember my dad took me to this movie. I sat there convinced this was going to be fixed by the end of the story and Prime would be back. This movie killed my interest in the franchise and toy line. Mm-hmm. I never asked for another Transformer toy moving forward. Yeah. And then he quotes, "How can we make more money? I know. Let's kill off all our core characters and try to introduce new ones." <laughs> yeah, man, this hit this hit hard. That was that was rough. Well, and so the other issue
0: that turns us into a box office flop is, did you see what this movie came out against? Did you see what was oh, playing boy. in the summer of 86? Oh, no. Can What's I read on? you some movies, Ben? Ooh, I'm so, I, yeah, I would love it. Yes. Stand By Me, Aliens, Whoa! The Karate Kid Part 2, Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh my god. Short Circuit, The Fly, Big Trouble in Little China. All of that stuff effectively in competition with this movie. First off, we say this all the time. I lament the amazing variety and quality of movies the 80s provided us. Yeah, seriously, what a summer! As we all know, we don't get those in movies anymore. I think we get them in shows, but I don't think we get them in movies. No. But oh my goodness. And the other thing that was wild is Hasbro was going to release a G.I. Joe movie effectively doing the same thing. They're going to kill off the leader. No. They're going to kill Duke. Try to do this whole reset. But after the backlash... They pulled the movie from the theater. So G.I. Joe movie didn't go out into the theaters. And then they were—they decided Serpentor would not kill Duke. He would throw a snake through his heart, but just put him like in a coma.
1: Oh my God.
0: Absolutely crazy. And then they realized once what a massive mistake they made. They're like, immediately we made plans to bring Prime back to the TV series. But they wait a whole season to do it. He's absent season three, other than like at the very end. Well, at least they kind of learned. To not repeat the exact same mistake. At least they did learn, you know, oh gosh, season three introduces all sorts of wildness. You get Quintessons, Predacons, you get Sharktacons,
1: you get all of these like wacky characters. Sharktacons. I think some of those are in the movie. They're like in a pit swimming around. Yeah, Yeah. They're troubling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they come back in the show.
0: Okay, I didn't realize they were in the movie. But yeah, just... I don't know, like the 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 five-part intro into season three didn't really grab me all that much. And then the very last, those that season four, just those couple episodes, you get this idea that like humans and the bots are going to kind of team up and the humans are going to pilot their heads. So I'm like, now we're going like full Pacific Rim, basically with this, right? Yeah. Little people piloting, fighting robots. And then they come up with this whole idea of headmasters and target masters of like, what these humans are going to be flying the heads around and like fighting with them. And there's this whole like flying monster city called
1: Scorponok. It is so weird. What it is happening? Weird. I never knew any of that stuff. That's crazy.
0: I will say, I think everything leading up to the movie, if you want to talk about quality, and that's huge air quotes, people, the quality of these shows, which again, we know their purpose. I think the, f- the first... Part of Gen 1 was much better than the second part. I think the oh, yeah. turn after yeah. the movie was was not a good turn for the cartoon or for Generation 1. Well,
1: that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so before we close out chemistry, our class of 80s high, does have just a few more parting words of like their memories of the TV show yeah. and the toys and the movies. I you know I just want to make sure they get a word in here. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, so about the TV show, one classmate said they love, love, loved it. I was caught up in the mid 80s Transformer mania all along with my classmates. That being said, watch the first dozen episodes of the original show on Tubi a couple years ago and realize how terrible it is. Laugh out loud. It's nothing but a 20-minute commercial for the toys. The production value is awful, too, with many errors and inking. The cartoon sells from one frame to another. My perspective is much different now as an adult.
0: Yeah, the quality of the animation and some of... There's a lot of mistakes. You know, if you go to IMDb and it's like continuity errors and bloopers and mess-ups and mistakes, it would be... An entire novel for every episode oh my of the God, stakes yeah. oh my of this God. show. The animation that's in the wrong direction or whatever, it's so funny. Uh, I was reading some of them in the comments as I was, I was watching them all. Because I didn't mention this. You can watch all of the entire First Generation series. All those uh, episodes are on YouTube, free. Yeah. which is You nice. just can't yeah, watch the movie. The movie, you have to rent somewhere.
1: Hey, support your local library. That's where I find it. I loved it. It was great. But parting words from chemistry from the class of 80s high. Just general memories of Transformers in the 80s. We have one that says, I just love the 80s format in which no logic need ever apply. Transformers maximized that thinking and was all the more glorious for it. Mm. Aaron Tron says, I remember spending all of my birthday money on Optimus Prime one year. I went to Johnny's Toys and blew it all. Dude, did you have Johnny's Toys where you were? No, it doesn't sound familiar. That was like, I remember that was like in a strip mall not far from my house, like a 15 minute drive. And like that was like the closest like real toy store I had. Hmm, it was it okay. was a lot like a KB Toys in a mall, but yeah, like okay. bigger, a little bigger. Okay. Oh, Johnny's Toys. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I haven't heard that name in decades. That's oh, awesome. Amazing. Uh, and last but not least, Optimus Jim says, This was one of my favorite childhood pastimes. The cartoons were fun to watch, and I had many hours of fun playing with the actual toys. I may have to see if I can buy a couple as an adult and relive my childhood. Yeah, Jim. You get you some transforming robots. We're going to talk in contemporary
0: culture. I think you can do that, Optimus Jim. Oh, yeah, Jim, dude. Your, your, your dream can come true. Yeah, you're going to be in luck, but uh, spoilers—you might have to open your wallet. Oh my god! Bigger than Unicron's world-swallowing.
1: <sighs> That's oh no, how big. They're that bad. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, well, speaking of a big, giant Unicron opening its maw of hunger, I'm starving. <laughs> my oil's running low. My windshield wiper fluid is low. My e light just came on. I got to go refill, man. Let's rock it out to the cafeteria. And we'll see you on the other side in contemporary culture to learn what happened to the Transformers after the 80s.
2: The Transformers will return after these messages.
0: Beware and warning! This book is different from other books. You and you alone
1: are in charge of what happens in this story. If that brings back childhood memories of reading past your bedtime and keeping your fingers positioned just so in order to go back and cheat death, then you are part of the Choose Your Own Adventure generation, the fourth best-selling children's book series of all time. Since 2006,
0: Choose Your Own Adventure has relaunched copies of original 80s bestsellers, as well. Well, as all new books, tabletop games, and graphic novel adaptations of
1: the famous gamebook series. If you decide to use all of your numerous talents and much of your enormous intelligence to introduce interactive gamebooks to a new generation, visit CYOA.com. Use code 80 high for 20% off your first order. That's code 80 high.
2: Turn to the Transformers.
1: I've got a zinger for you right out of the gate. I just need to know if I'm alone in this or if there are other people in the world who had this happen. Okay. When you're out walking around in the real world, do you ever see a vehicle that you're like, yeah, that could be a Transformer?
0: I can't say I ever have. So I'm a, I'm an absolute lunatic. I'm going to surmise a lot of other people have done that. Yeah. We all see reels memes on Instagram where we're like, other people thought this exact same thing too? Yeah. You know, it's like the one where it's like, I'm really tired. And then your mind is like, let me introduce you to this trauma from fourth grade that you never got (laughs) over. And you're like, no, (laughs) no, no, I can't sleep. And I'm like, other people do that too? Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Okay. Guarantee you, 20% of our listeners... Do the same thing on a regular basis. That's totally a transformer over there.
1: Like, it's not everywhere that I go, but definitely, like, if I see a really cool vehicle, and and the Michael Bay Mm. movies did that a lot of, like, here's this new, polished, Uh, fancy vehicle. But if I see a really cool vehicle that especially is, like, articulated, like, you see gaps between the pieces on it, whether it's, Uh, like, an excavator or a cool helicopter, I'll just be like, oh, I could see how that could transform into a robot. That could be cool. Like, I I don't know. It just hits me sometimes. I get it. Okay. We're in Contempo culture for post-80s Transformers Life, which, as we have said 19,000 times, gets complicated and interwoven, and I'm going to just try and give you the highest high points of what happens in this series going forward. Beautiful. 80s was Gen 1, so we get, duh, Generation 2, 1993 to 95, and this is like the big thing that happens here is Optimus Prime and Megatron team up. uh uh-huh. They team up because there's another robot species that reproduces in the traditional way and not asexually like Transformers do. And that's why they have to team up and fight them. Okay. I haven't seen it. It raises a lot of questions. Interesting. After that one, the mid-90s introduces what seems to be one of the most popular toy lines after the 80s, which is Beast Wars and the Beast Machines. This is 96 to 2000.
0: You mean Beast Wars is more interesting than the reproductive storyline
1: of uh, (laughs) robots? We need to spend another two hours on normal reproduction Transformers. Well,
0: okay, everyone. When one robot loves another robot, (laughs) they... (laughs) Wow, that never took off. Interesting.
1: Beast Wars sounds a little more interesting. Beast Wars. Let's talk about Beast Wars. Right. Which, like, the big thing for Beast Wars is it was CGI. And, like, you remember, like, the mid-'90s was a big transition from hand-drawn cartoons into CG. And, like, Beast Wars was huge for that. Turn of the Millennium at 2000, 2001, you get Robots in Disguise, which is a 39-episode animated series out of Japan and then exported. Okay. 2001 to 2005, you get Dreamweave, which does annual comics and a limited series. 02 to 06, the Unicron trilogy. Okay, this is where I'm confused. Unicron trilogy, but there's 52 episodes in it. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe they're split into three seasons? Maybe. But what's interesting here is it goes back into Takara's hands back in Japan to be in charge of this storyline and toy line. They're still working with Hasbro as a partner, but Takara's in charge again, which is kind of cool. Okay. And they find, like, mini-sized Transformers, which are human-sized Transformers from Cybertron. I don't know. It's complicated, but they're basically finding adorable smaller people to take care of. Hmm. Okay. And then, basically, you made reference to this a bunch. From 2003 on, you get a ton of Transformer and G.I. Joe crossover, which I think is sort of what helps set the stage for these Michael Bay movies that we're going to get into, which are, like, the actual production of those movies had massive partnerships with the U.S. military to make those movies happen.
0: Oh, interesting. I will say this much. My reference was there is a episode of the Gen 1 cartoon where I think a Cobra character shows up for okay, an episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it sounds like they carried that through in this particular iteration.
1: Yeah. At the same time, you get Transformers Universe, which is basically like all these different Transformer universes and storylines coming together at once. It's sort of like uh, some number of years ago, the Power Rangers did a crossover movie where every Power Rangers team all had to come together at one time. And they got like all 90 actors from the different seasons to come together. Oh, interesting. <laughs> all five, so all like, you know, eight Red Rangers or whatever. So this sounds right. like that kind of thing.
0: Or Spider-Man, like they just did that with oh, Spider-Man. Oh, yeah,
1: like all across the Spider-Verse. The That's Spider-Man, a great yeah. example. Uh, 2005 to 22, IDW Publishing does a new comic book series that reboots Generation 1. 07 to 2010, we get Transformers Animated, which is on the Cartoon Network, set in 2050 Detroit, which is basically like Autobots just serve as like superheroes against normal human villains.
0: Hmm, okay.
1: Which, like, 2050 Detroit, like, isn't that RoboCop? Isn't that Judge Dredd? Like, what's oh. what's what's going on in Detroit around that time? I'm just curious.
0: I mean, you know, Detroit was the auto capital of uh, the United States for the longest time. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's uh, all those car-based Transformers. Who knows? Maybe there's some connection there.
1: You and I are both, in our different ways, anal retentive. We like good organization. We like order. We like symmetry. And so it's like... One of us, like our our third part of the podcast, whoever our host would be, got hired by Hasbro in 2010 and was like, this is nuts. Because starting in 2010, Hasbro tried to bring order and alignment to all these stories, trying to bring everything sensibly together.
0: How'd that work?
1: Which, not well, I think. I haven't watched everything, so I can't say. But like, it seems impossible. So Hasbro calls it the aligned continuity. And fans just call it the universe, the Aligned Universe. Okay. So there's three toy lines that come out of this, the Rescue Bots, Generations, and Go! Exclamation point. TV series during the last decade includes Rescue Bots, Go, Prime, Rescue Bots Academy, and Robots in Disguise. There are video games, which I gotta ask you about. Video games include War for Cybertron, Fall of Cybertron, and Rise of the Dark Spark. Have you played any Transformers video games? No, never. Yeah, neither have I, shockingly. It's just never, never come across my transforming bow. I'm actually a little bit surprised there's not more of them than there seem to be. One would think. I mean, maybe, I mean, those were just during this period of the Aligned Universe in the last decade. But I could not think of a single video game. Because I figured we would,
0: like, at least bring it up in this episode. But I was like, I could not name one. But I can name a thousand Spider-Man, a thousand, obviously a million Ninja Turtle. Like, interesting. I'll go
1: check the ROMs after this episode and see what I can find. Uh, Check their arms. There are novels. So there's Exodus, Exiles, Retribution, and the Covenant of Primus. And so as you asked, no, this has not worked well. There are still endless contradictions between the toys, the shows, the games, the books, all of these things. I couldn't find the year on this, but there is now officially a 354-page brand Bible dubbed the Binder Revolution. (sighs) 354 pages trying to make all these different storylines work together. Uh, we're getting close. 2016 to 2018, we get the Prime Wars trilogy. So Hasbro and Machinima co-produced the CG animated series, The Combiner Wars. It's 40 years after the Decepticons and Autobots stopped fighting, which I didn't know that happens, but I guess there's peace. Now there's a new threat to Cybertron. Okay. The cast is primarily made up of popular YouTubers. And my okay. my questionable up question shows that I'm not hip and cool enough to be impressed by YouTubers coming together for a show, but generations under me are probably think that's super dope. Peter Cullen and Jud Nelson return for a second series in this whole Prime Wars situation. But it does have some cool guest voices, dude. So Ron Perlman, Mark Hamill, Michael Dorn, and Will Wheaton all voice in the second series of this one. So, you know, again, like we talked with the movie, a powerful voice cast can really carry it. Yeah for sure. We're getting real close to talking about Bay. I'm getting real close, but Bay is Bay Bay is nigh. 2018 to 2021, Cyberverse, later known as Bumblebee Cyberverse Adventures, is another CG series produced by Boulder Media and AllSpark Animation on the Cartoon Network and finished on Netflix around Thanksgiving 2021. Again, a lot of different characters from different storylines coming together. However, the reason I bring it up is it's notable for being the first television series of the franchise to have an 11-minute runtime. So half the runtime that we had in the 80s. Hmm. Okay. Okay. 2020 2021, War for Cybertron Trilogy, 3D computer graphics, three-part series, which talks about a Decepticon, Autobot, Civil War, da-da-da. I'm not going to get any more details than that, but that's what's going on. Hasbro and Netflix are now teaming up with this. This is ridiculous. This is like the lowest hanging fruit robot Transformer name I could think of. But last year, Netflix came out with an animated comedy for the Transformers universe called Bot Bots. Okay. 20 episodes by Kevin Burke and Chris Wyatt. Small robots organized in groups of tribes who can transform into everyday objects. It sounds a lot like microchange, like inspired by the old Takara, like, hey, here's an egg beater that, that can turn into a robot guy. Right. And then let's talk about right now, what's going on right now, 2022 to now in the TV world, because there's been so many TV series. Right now is EarthSpark, which is on Paramount Plus. It's also computer generated. Uh, Entertainment One and Nickelodeon Animation Studio produced it. And it's notable because like humans are really prominent in it rather than the robots. But Chris, it's time to address the big Mac truck in the room, mm. the Michael Bay movies. So 2007, Michael Bay directs the first live action based Transformers movie. Steven Spielberg is the executive producer, stars Shia LaBeouf, Josh Duhamel, Megan Fox, Tyrese Gibson... And you get Peter Cullen back as Optimus Prime and Hugo Weaving as Megatron. Yeah, you're shaking your head. How do you feel about that? Well, okay. So this
0: had vibes of another property we talked about. Frank Welker auditioned to voice Megatron and wasn't freaking picked. Yeah, come on. And this reminded me when Ernie Hudson auditioned for the voice Oh um, yeah. Winston and the real Ghostbusters animated series, and wasn't picked. Yeah. This is the original old school. Voice, this is the person. How can you it blows my mind? And now apparently Frank does come back for I think the rest of the movies yeah. as yeah, yeah, yeah. Megatron. Yeah. But this first one, for some dumb dumb reason, they did not choose him. I don't know. It why. Just blows I just could not find it's, why. it's crazy. Crazy.
1: Anyway. So here's what's nuts. This movie goes on to become the forty-fifth highest grossing film in history. And the fifth highest grossing film of that year, making seven hundred and nine million dollars worldwide. It won four awards from the Visual Effects Society, was nominated for three Academy Awards for sound editing, sound mixing, and visual effects. Actually, everybody really thought Shia LaBeouf's performance in it was great. Like, critics largely thought that was really good. But perception and rewards could all be a little different. We asked our class of 80s high, when you learned that Michael Bay was going to make a live-action movie of Transformers, like you as a fan, what did you think? Optimus Jim says, I was really excited because I knew the graphics and animations of the movie would be so much better than the original cartoon, and it did not disappoint. Mm-hmm. Aaron Tron said, unexcited and pretty much all of my lack of expectation has been met with each film. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and our other classmate said, I was bored. Okay. So then we asked our classmates what you thought after you saw it, and it runs the gamut. One classmate didn't see it, still hasn't seen it, regrets it. Another said, it's a terrible movie. I barely made it through. I have only seen clips of subsequent films, and they look unwatchable, Though I've heard Bumblebee is tolerable. And another said, I thought it was great. It was serious and funny when it needed to be. Great plot. And overall, I was very impressed. Chris, have you seen the Transformers movie from 07? No, I've not seen any of them. Okay, okay, okay. I, shockingly, really actually enjoyed the first one. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was interesting. The detail they do in the transforming of the Transformers is really cool. Yeah. And it is the origin of my only Transformer toy. Okay. I am holding up a one-legged, one-armed Bumblebee action figure, which came out with that movie. I only have him because I was hanging out with a bunch of friends, and we all bought one of these Transformers. It was around Fourth of July, we all got fireworks, and we tried to like make a movie of these Transformers fighting one another with fireworks. It's still out there on YouTube somewhere, but that's why my Transformer's missing half of his limbs.
0: You fireworked off 50% of his appendages. Bumblebee did not win the
1: battle, I'll just say. In your version of the
0: movie, he gets killed, not Prime.
1: Right. He does not make it. There is no Because Bumblebee
0: was one of the survivors in the right. eighty six movie. Like he's one of the few that made it through
1: right and there's no bumbleus prime he's not gonna make it he's not he's not a mine
0: this is what i'll say michael bay movies are are not for me it's very low-hanging fruit to mock him and i don't disagree with the mockery but i'm not gonna do that because whatever it's been done enough i'll just say like this movie looks beautiful i mean which you would expect of a michael bay movie that the special effects are going to be freaking amazing I think it's the, the epic disaster movies. They just don't do it for me. Sure, and yeah. This was sort of the idea. A, an interesting tidbit I found, though, because Spielberg was involved with the production of this movie, and apparently he was the one, to a shocker of nobody listening right now, he was the one who had the idea that the heart of the story is a boy in his car, and that it's this coming-of-age story That just happens to be set against the explosions and intergalactic robots wars and all that (laughs) kind of stuff. But, like, that Shia LaBeouf character and, like, him in the car and, like, you know, coming of age and being attracted to this, you know, young woman and all that kind of stuff. Like, that was the influence of Spielberg. My guess is if there's any heart to this movie, if there's any, like, center to it, that is probably where people find it. Yeah. You need to ground a movie like this in some kind of reality. and. I mean, a lot of disaster movies will do that, right? There's a love story at the big be- at the center of totally, it. Totally. Blah, blah, blah. Totally. Anyway, that was an interesting tidbit I I did not know.
1: Yeah, that's a good call, and I would say that is kind of it's true. At its heart is Shia LaBeouf and his bumblebee car, his uh, sweet yellow Mustang. I'm not going to go through all the details, but there are six sequels to this movie. And you, dear listener, if tra- if you were like me and like Transformers largely missed you, and you're like, what's the big deal? This is the big deal. 2009 Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. It makes more than the first movie. And remember, the first movie, 709 million. In 2011, we get Transformers Dark of the Moon, which comes out in 3D, but it makes over a billion dollars. Yep. Why would you stop making these movies if they're making over a billion dollars? Yeah. 2014, three years later, Transformers Age of Extinction. Also, like Dark of the Moon and like Revenge of the Fallen, the critical reviews are terrible, but it also makes over a billion dollars. Like, oh my God. Yeah. 2017, we get Transformers The Last Knight, and this is the first time it doesn't do well. Not only are the reviews bad, but it does not recoup its costs from the studio. Yeah. Yeah. But they kind of reinvent the wheel, ooh, Transformer wheel, 2018, the next year, where you get Bumblebee, which is directed by Travis Knight. And I think, actually, this is interesting. And I, this is another one I actually would say you should watch. The first one and Bumblebee are not bad. Because Bumblebee is the same heart that you just said Spielberg said, where it's like the story of, of someone in their car. Like, it's mm-hmm. just Bumblebee, similarly like the Transformers movie, and this teenager who finds Bumblebee and they work together. It's a prequel to all these other movies. Oh, got it. Okay. And then just this year, we got Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which is a sequel to that prequel, Bumblebee, which also got mixed reviews. And that's the only one I haven't seen. I think I'm over the Transformers live-action movies, and I'm not—I was done after Bumblebee. You've seen all of them but the most recent? I will admit here on the podcast now, I have seen all live-action Transformers movies except Rise of the Beasts. I have not seen that.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. I helped make them billions of dollars. It's crazy. Listen, I have no doubts that they're entertaining movies. I just think they're not for certain people. You know, it's just not the speed that everybody wants. I would never make anyone who wants to watch those movies feel bad about it. I just don't want them to ask me to go watch it with them. Yeah, exactly. I respectfully
1: decline. But anyway. Now, one of the things that you always love to talk about on 80s High, so I'm wondering if you've got this in your corner, is these are the most recent movies in the Transformers line, but there are many other movies that if they're a Transformers movie or not. These are our knockbusters.
0: You know, we haven't talked knockbusters in a long time. Maybe not truthfully since our Battleship episode in season one.
1: Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's where we
0: brought up the term knockbusters for the first time on the show. And we've we've mentioned them along the ways. Now, I don't know what you're going to tell me right now and our listeners, but I can't wait. What are these knockbusters? Oh my
1: God. Now, some of these are very obvious and some are like, "Mm, okay, like... You could have parallel evolution, like robots fighting each other is not a thousand percent unique. Right. So in 1990, we get a movie that I actually kind of recommend a little bit because it's just crazy. Is Robot Jocks by Stuart Gordon. So it was completed in 87, but it doesn't come out until 1990. And it's where in the future, all international conflict is resolved by that country's giant mech. So you you send like the North Korea mech against the South Korea mech and they like, whoever wins, like, okay, that's the country who won. Okay. It's robots fighting robots, and they look very, like, transformery. y uh, In 2002, we get Returner out of Japan, which is, like, it's nuts. It's basically, like, an, an ode to pop culture. It combines Transformers with E.T. the Extraterrestrial, with the Terminator, and with the Matrix. Like, all those plots are in there. It's a lot. Okay. It's a very right. long write-up on the plot in this one. So there's this studio called Asylum, which, like, the Knockbusters are basically their bread and butter. Oh, yeah. And so they come out with the most egregious knockbuster in 2007, the same year when the first Transformers movie comes out, called Transmorphers.
0: Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've
1: probably seen the cover of Transmorphers.
0: Didn't you talk about – you've mentioned this before when we've talked about knockbusters. Okay. And I think Asylum is the one who did the Battleship knockbuster. Oh, yeah. Like the yeah, Battleship yeah, yeah. movie knockbuster. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You've mentioned
1: Transmorphers
0: at some oh, point. Oh, my sweet God. You didn't get Transmorphers, did you? Like a, a, no, a not well-intentioned
1: not no, no, no. grandparent no. accidentally got you the transomorphers? No. Okay. But of all the ones we'll say, this is the most like rippy ripoff. You did say Battleship, so 2012 – is actually sort of cited that Battleship movie as kind of a knockbuster. We talk about it in season one, episode eight, just like you said, but it really copies the style of Michael Bay's Transformers movies, like the big mm. bombastic explosions and the robotic look. You know, the cast is all really young. There's lots of big explosions. There's CGI aliens. The aliens have robots. Like, It feels a little Transformery rip off Yeah. Back in the same year of Transformers, so 2007, you get the animated gladiformers, which are like, it's just right in the name. It's gladiators that are Transformers. So these robots that transform and then fight in arena. Okay. I want to watch this solely for the name. In 2008 out of Hong Kong, (laughs) we get Metallic Attraction, Kung Fu Cyborg, which is like a very comedy satire, but also romance story of transforming robots. Okay. Maybe this goes back to the cartoon, the Gen Two G Two, where Optimus and Megatron are like, "You can't reproduce like that. There's only asexual reproduction." Like, and then it goes nuts. I don't know. There's romance in it though. All right. Like I said, 2018, we had Bumblebee. So Asylum comes back and produces. Come on, man, Hornet. In the same year as Bumblebee, they do sure. Hornet. Lovely. But in this one, college kids make an invent a robot to fight off aliens. And the last one I could find uh, is in 2011, there's this Korean kids show for preschoolers called Robocar Poli, which has like these little vehicles in like a little town that can transform into robots to like help the citizens of the city. Okay. But those are all the ripoffs I had. Again, it's a big world. There's a lot going on in this franchise, toys, TV, movies, more. Is there anything that you feel is worth diving into? Post nineteen eighties and the Transformers, uh, what did what did Hasbro call it? The aligned universe, aligned continuity.
0: There's a few other things that did show up that I just thought were fun. You know, we talked about Hasbro doing the crowdfunding to bring back Hero Quest when we did that episode. Yeah, this seems to be a well that they return to quite a bit because they've made all of these toys for all these Transformers, but they never made one for Unicron. Oh yeah, which makes sense. He's a massive. Planet eating ginormous, you know, planetoid or whatever. Well, in like 2019, they actually crowdfund a 27 inch tall robot mode of Unicron. 27 inches? So when he's in robot mode, he's 27 inches tall. He can also turn into the planetoid version. Again, does all the transforming. Can, you know, you can actually, with all the articulations, get him into either form. And they were asking just under six hundred dollars in order to back this. No, and they did. They fulfilled it. They oh, had, really? I think, over eight thousand backers. That's awesome. And in twenty twenty one, I believe they delivered. You should go look this thing up. It's insane. It's massive. We'll put some links in the show notes as well. But
1: Unicron. Okay, that's awesome. And the toy looks incredible. But oh, you yeah. you also mentioned something briefly. Aren't there self-transforming transformers out there now?
0: Yeah, so I think we talked about this off-air, but a company called Robosyn, they made first, I believe, an Optimus Prime. Now, this thing has 5,000 components, 60 microchips, and 27 servo motors. That That's nuts. is nuts. wild. Also, it responds to voice commands and remote control using like an app on your phone. You can program unique actions into it, and you can actually have your robot complete missions through the app. What? You listeners can go right now and get your RoboSyn Transformer Optimus Prime Elite Edition on Amazon for the low, low price of $700. Oh my God, no way. Really? If you want the flagship version, which basically you're talking 16 inches for the elite, 19 inches for the flagship, you're going to drop $1,000 on Amazon. Oh, no, get out of here. Now you should watch videos of these self transform. It is amazing. It also does these different poses and, you know, speaks and everything. They are quite interesting. Well, in 2022, they were like, Hey, you got Optimus Prime, the truck. You want Optimus Prime the transforming trailer? Just give us seven hundred and fifty more dollars. Oh
1: my god! So for like
0: fifteen hundred bucks, you can have the truck, the trailer, both
1: transforming on their own. Wild! That's totally nuts. Yeah. While you're talking here, there's there's a YouTube video with Adam Savage from MythBusters reviewing yeah. the Optimus Prime. Three point two million views. Yeah. Seeing this thing. This thing's incredible.
0: Go check it out. It's really cool. But Ben, I'm going to make your day. So start ooh, saving some money. Ooh,
1: ooh, ooh. There's a dinosaur robot transformer now? Grimlock. <gasps> the Tyrannosaurus no. Rex.
0: Okay. Scheduled shipping date is late fall 2023. Well, guess what? By the time this drops, this thing might be out. Ben, for $1,700. Get
1: out of t- Get on your horse and get out of town. No freaking way. What? And so people are like,
0: why is this like? over twice the price of Optimus and they're like, there are so many different motors. It's basically like double the motors of Optimus Prime to create this Grimlock. It looks really cool. Again, you can go find videos. It's super awesome.
1: Oh my god, the transforming it does on its own is incredible. This is amazing.
0: It's really neat, but my gosh, you're going to you're gonna pay for it if you want your own. But it's free to just go watch it online.
1: Which, like, look, in a, in a capitalist society, we all tend to, like, start to pay a little more co- for convenience. And the few times that I've gotten my hands on a Transformer, I will sit there for longer than need be, trying to figure out how to articulate it, how to move it. Where's this arm supposed to go? How does it make the yeah. robot? Th- if this is $1,500 to avoid that headache and just let the robot transform itself...
0: Oh, and then it walks? You heard it here first. Ben is clicking add to cart right now. Oh, I see my him God. entering his security code, his CVV. Oh, he clicked submit. Okay, well, this you is, can't undo it, buddy. It's coming uh, you your way. You can find
1: my GoFundMe on <laughs> podcast, Mr. <laughs> ben. This is actually very, wow, it does so much after it transforms. This is very cool. This is a very cool toy.
0: It's really awesome. So that was like a a fun little kind of button for contemporary culture and just like the toys. Because I I know they've re-released the toys like tons and tons of times, but like this is the first time I think there's been some that will transform on their own, which is pretty, it's crazy. And they look amazing when they do it. It's super cool.
1: Well, although I really want this modern day transforming toy, I don't think we should stay grim locked in contemporary culture any longer. Uh, so can we dip on out to math class and talk about how these amazing transforming vehicles and robots hold up today? Let's do it. So here we are, we have made it to math class, a series of ones and zeros, which probably built Cybertron. It's the appropriate place to be. Unicron is holding up massive scales of this massive globe-spanning four million year story. Christopher, you, who has been so much more intimate with this series than I have over the last several decades. How do you feel Transformers holds up in 2023? A great question,
0: Ben. And could I even sit here with an ounce of sincerity and say the franchise of Transformers doesn't hold up today? (laughs) Those movies you mentioned, you talk about what they gross at the box office Ben, they collectively made a profit of $4 billion. That's not box office receipts. That is money above and beyond the cost to make them. $4 billion, everybody. That's with a B if you couldn't tell. The animated series has been rebooted multiple times. The toys are still coming off the factory lines faster than Cybertron itself could spit them out. (laughs) Clearly, there is a worldwide appetite for these characters and stories and the nostalgia they created to this very day. As for the original cartoon and movie, well, I am going to say I'm afraid they suffer from their intended purpose, which we all know is a pure profit motive. Now despite that, I think the creatives really did a good job. The animators, voice actors, sound and music departments. They were of course limited by rushed production schedules and company interference. So I can't really lay that at the feet of the people who created it. It's more the people who funded it and were pushing them to crank out 49 episodes in one frickin' season. You know, I think the artwork and animation suffers the most in that translation with those poor inconsistent drawings, the flat out errors that you find. Once again, I lay that on the studios. Because the movie proved that with the extra time and budget, the characters looked fantastic. Yeah. The animation was solid. It looked amazing. It could almost be, I wouldn't say like a modern movie, but it definitely looked well polished and stands up today in terms of the animation. You know, I haven't held a transformer toy in my hand for decades, so it's really hard for me to say how well they are constructed and if they stand the test of time. Yeah. But I do remember them getting kind of loose and fidgety. One of mine broke soon after uh, I yeah, got it. Yeah, right, them.
1: right, right.
0: But I can certainly remember how fun it was to transform them while calling out all those catchphrases and, of course, making the transforming sound myself. But I think, you know, me, for me personally... I will say, I'm afraid I lost my all spark for Transformers long ago. <laughs> I do think it's because the characters and stories didn't quite take hold for me. You know, if you compare it to say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you have the charisma of the protagonists that are undeniable, but also that franchise kept their focus on the core four and they're like tight crew oh, yeah. of people. Yeah, 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 And I think that gave you like an anchor to relate to. Transformers was that huge ensemble cast which we all know the creators shrewdly assassinated and then replaced (laughs) with those less than second tier characters. It's really no wonder so many kids were turned off from the franchise after that. You mentioned it earlier. Imagine Leo, Raf, Donnie, and Mike show up in the first animated movie and are immediately turned into turtle soup. (laughs) And then they're replaced by some new cast of half-shelled half-wits. Oh, there'd be
1: riots. Riots in the
0: sewers. No, thank you. Uh, So all that said, I will say... It's great to see so many people enjoying this franchise to this day, enjoying the memories from their own childhoods. And uh, for all of that, I say, Autobots, roll out.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Perfect, man. That's a great summary and a takeaway. I'm going to share my opinion on Transformers today. But I'm going to take a little bit of a winding labyrinth to get there. Because, you know, I've been doing some philosophical reflecting. You know, we had the summer off. I'm getting back into school. I'm thinking, I've been thinking largely about these 80s nostalgia properties. And I had two thoughts recently that are going to tie up to this Transformers thing. One, I saw this great story where somebody put on loan to their local library their collection of comics from the 80s. But in the display case where the comics are, are also toys and a lunchbox and other things from their collection from the property of Marvel Comics that they were into. And I think that's something that's so hard trying to get people excited today about pop culture things in the 80s, which is around these properties, there was a whole biome. There was a whole atmosphere around the thing. It wasn't just cool to have an Optimus Prime toy. There was the comic books and it was on TV every Saturday morning and you heard there was a movie coming out. And all your friends knew about these things too. And when you guys hung out combined, you all kind of had a much bigger collection of the thing. And that's just something that's hard to capture and communicate today when we talk about these cool properties. Is like, it was a whole, we talked about Batmania at the close of season three. Like These things were everywhere. Yeah, And it's just such a small echo of like how it was in the air and in the water everywhere mm. you went. It's just so different with these properties. The second thing that I'm coming around with philosophically is you see these massive collections that people still have today. Whether you're a Bon Jovi fan and you've got a whole Bon Jovi room with every poster and t-shirt and, and platinum album. Or you're a Ninja Turtles person and that person has a whole garage with lit shelving and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's the crazy philosophical thing I've been working on recently with this, is like how things get forgotten in culture and society. Like, eventually, everyone who experienced a thing directly dies out. There will eventually be no one left alive who went to a Michael Jackson concert live. And the only way you're learning about Michael Jackson is in video and written records. Mm -hmm. And even like I myself, like you have so many memories of your childhood and things. But sometimes you need help to remember that thing. You need an object to take you back to that moment. And it's that it's that thought of like out of sight, out of mind. And if you're not if you don't see that thing, you might eventually lose that memory. And so I kind of understand more and more when I see these big collections people have from the 80s of different properties, of video games and toys and music or whatever it might be. It's to hold on, to bring you back to that time that was so great and awesome in your childhood. And sometimes if you didn't have those objects, those memories might be gone forever. And eventually there'll be nobody who actually has those firsthand memories. So I kind of respect that archiving of our shared collection there. Sorry, that all was a long walk to bring back to Transformers is awesome. And it's timeless. I mean, who am I to say? There are few children's-based properties that came out of the 80s that are still cranking out billion dollars like Transformers are today. I honestly think Transformers will outlive the two of us. It's cool to see vehicles transform and fight one another. Kind of like you said, I'm not sure I've ever touched a Generation 1 Transformer, so I don't know. But the pictures make them look awesome. I think the design is great. I think it's really cool. I agree. The cartoon show, I'm not sure I can watch the TV show anymore. I like how dense they are. I like the structure of them, but the animation is not so great. But the movie, I would happily, if someone was like, hey... Do you want to watch the 87 Transformers animated movie? Yes, I do. I do want to rock out to great 80s music for over an hour and see heavy metal animation style. It's great. Uh, I've never read a comic. I can't comment on that. But as a whole, it's an incredible concept. It works so well. I get why it's great. I get why it's one of those profitable kids' things to continue on out of the 80s. Uh, And Transformers is wonderful. And I hope it continues to be. fantastic, Chris. Thank you for transforming your evening to be here with me to talk about this mega, mega, Megatron property from the 80s. I had a blast. Thanks for doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we survived that earthquake. How about that? We did, we did survive an earthquake tonight to bring this edutainment content to you, dear listener. That's right. And on next week's topic, I hear we might have to dodge a tsunami, maybe a wildfire. Who knows? Chris... What catastrophe are we going to get through to bring what amazing topic to our listeners on the next episode of 80s High? Well, hopefully none. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> really, right. there's no catastrophe. Hopefully
1: zero. But, you know, in thinking about this
0: next topic, I was brought back to, I think, one of the hallmarks of an 80s childhood. Ooh. And that is – well, okay. Well, we talked about what are the things you miss from the 80s. This is something I don't think came up in that long laundry list of 19 things. Oh, my That's <laughs> right. Is also identifiable. It's those nights – when your parents had an evening out and some teenage neighbor or family friend came over to babysit. Yeah. And I feel like this is sort of a lost art these days. I know there's babysitters, but I feel like a lot of them are like these professional companies where people have been thoroughly vetted and you paid this top dollar. It's not the neighbor kid comes over, here's 10 bucks, here's 20 bucks, watch my kid. Here's our phone number, a landline to the place you might reach us. You know, like it's just all. Yes, landline. It's not the same. You know, back then, babysitting was the gig economy. <laughs> uh, well, okay, maybe lemonade stands and paper routes, but you know, that's about it, right? And as a kid, when a babysitter was coming over, you always, you remember this, Ben, you always prayed you had a cool babysitter. Maybe the babysitting gods deliver unto me not some mean old hag that made you go to bed at 8 o'clock or something. You wanted that cool person who'd let you stay up late, didn't impose many rules, and maybe, Ben, maybe even took you on an adventure. Ooh, Chris. So I think on the next episode of 80s High, we're going to tip our hats to all those radical babysitters out there by revisiting one of my favorite 80s Movies, Benjamin, I dare say, a top three from the decade for me.
1: Oh, swinging for the fences.
0: And I've said all the words of this movie and this introduction. We're, of course, talking about adventures in
1: babysitting. Oh,
0: my God.
1: Ah, Such a good one. I'm so excited to go downtown with you. Yeah, grab your Thor helmet,
0: grab your roller skates, and... Put on your hook hands (laughs) (laughs) because we're going to have an adventurous night of babysitting on the next episode of 80s High. Thanks, everyone, for listening to 80s High podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at AlexGoddardDesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help spread the rumor. Stay radical.